Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? Back with another episode of the C3 Panthers podcast. That's the longest-running Panthers podcast on the internet. And tonight's show, Panthers training camp begins. The players have arrived at Wofford in Spartanburg in the hottest part of the world at this moment for us. And the talk is going to be hot today as we preview training camp, but talk about the latest stories and news and opinions from the fan perspective regarding the Carolina Panthers. Got a lot to talk about from Scott Fitter wanting to add some members to the defense to Christian McCaffrey feeling the best he is and the biggest Baker bottom in the world. Sam Darnold addresses the media and says, we're cool. We're cool. Him and Baker are cool. And guess who else is cool? My co-host, the producer of this show, Cody Lashney. Welcome back to the C3 Panthers podcast. Tony Dunn, you know what's cool? Panthers are back to training for playing football, baby. That's what's cool, man. Look, the season is fast approaching. There's so much to talk about seemingly all the time. We have a bunch of clips that I find very fascinating from Matt Rule to Matt Corral to Scott Fitterer. Tony, you name it, we got it tonight. And you think I'm cool. Dude, I ain't got nothing on these dudes and chicks in the YouTube chat that are the coolest of the cool. You know them and love them, and the list grows every week. Our man Drew, Alex Starks, Andrew Fields, ATX19, Hemlock, Jay Issue, Keith Montez, Kyle Cottrell, KV7 Trees, Lawrence Trevette, Logan Woods, Lynn Leonhardt, What's up, Lynn? Off Grid, Panther Pickle, Poppin' Bullets, Ted Seams, Wide Big Jordan, William Taylor, and Zach Attack. Tony Dunn, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. 
it's called the C3 Panthers podcast, and you can check us out on carolinacatchronicles.com, where we bring you the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Greg, the bat daddy, the stat daddy in the house, thanks for the new intro. Still getting a lot of uh, good reception in the chat room. Mute, 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 Yeah, I forget to do that at the intro. I'm still tickled every time <laughs> I see it, man. It's fun. And Cody, you're right, dude. Football season's here, buddy. It's news ramping up. Uh, Stuff actually starting to mean something. Uh, seeing stuff that we've seen or heard rumors before actually coming true or maybe, you know, coming false. It's exciting, man. I can't help but this time of year, every year, think about, man, what if the Panthers do this? What if the Panthers do that? And I feel like for some reason, like I do every year, we're going to be good. I don't know why. I just feel like we're going to be good. I do this every season to myself, every <laughs> single time. season. It's yeah. the time of half a glass full, right? It's like yeah. is it's the beginning. You are you're undefeated right now. There nice. are no injuries at this moment that we know of that are pressing. Well, maybe a little Shaq Thompson on the pup list got a little knee clean out, but he was walking into training camp carrying his own bags. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the time for optimism. We appreciate that, folks. We appreciate if you uh, be a part of the show by calling in at two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Subscribe to the podcast and uh, participate in the chat. One thing you can do is go to carolinacatchronicles.com and find out that today I just put up a story, Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Carolina killer Julio Jones. And about nine 45 tonight, we're going to have Gene Thomas from book. What you heard come on for a short little time and talk about the meaning of this all in move to get Tom Brady, the bling bling. But uh, as soon as I, I see Julio as a Carolina killer, CK, and then I put this story mm-hmm. out and everybody goes, oh, he don't play. He needs check the oil. One of my friends said, check the oil in that hoopty, man, because he is broke <laughs> down now. Uh, I know, you know, Julio's always missed a ton of games, though. So it's not even that new. It's just he right. destroys the Panthers. But CK, welcome back to the show. Uh, just when Greg is getting optimistic, the Bucks are reloading. Bro, yeah, it's uh, it, it listen, it's. <laughs> It's tough to look at that and think that we have a shot against what that that team has been. Um, you know, the good news is we only have to face them for two of our seventeen games. Uh, There's still, you know, a, a, a still a tough road ahead with the other fifteen. But I tell you what, right now it's just all optimism with what we have going on with the team, what the pieces that we've added, the potential for some of these guys that quarterback to possibly come in here and and, and compete for a position. Uh, that has been uh, largely in flux for the past five years, really. Um, it's going to be hopefully a season of redemption. And, and maybe, as Scott Fitter has said in his press conferences, maybe this will start to resemble a very uh, Seahawks-esque rise uh, the Panthers will be seeing. So. Oh, we like to hear that. The number is 252-228-5098. You can be a part of the show. We got, uh, we'll be talking about training camp, obviously. we got the ice up picks coming later. Um, and some fun things to talk about. Cody, what do we got first on the docket? The players arrived today, so this was great. I mean, they haven't started spinning it yet. There's no thudding yet. We ready, though. And we can smell the football getting closer. They're, they're, they're at least pulling the footballs out of the boxes, out of storage or whatever. But we're watching Baker Mayfield and Shaq Thompson carpool together in what Shaq Thompson has described as a top-tier chauffeur five star he got five star uber uh uber review from baker mayfield christian nice. mccaffrey's told us that he is as he feels as good as he's ever felt um and uh 
you're starting to see some of the young guns. I tell you this, and I want you to pick the first topic, but I want to put this out to the chat. Is I saw uh, YGM Yatur Gross Matos walking beside Davion Nixon, big snack, and yeah. Gross Matos made it look bigger than him, dude. Like, I mean, and not like heavy big, Dude, but like, like, I was, tanks. I was like, good God. like he, a guy whose nickname is big snack and you don't look small beside him. You a big ass, you a big, big boy. Gross Matos look legit, dude. This is the guy I want. This is who I'm hoping for. Be a breakout candidate this year, even though I think next year is the year. What do you want to start with Cody? I mean, listen, there's so much to start with, but the what's been on the front of everyone's mind has been the quarterback competition. Mm -hmm. And I actually want to start by saying I didn't completely hate this Matt rule press conference. Dare I say, I even liked it. I even felt like he had some good things to say. And based on some of the things that he said, I find that a few of us are going to have some controversial opinions about what Matt rule has to say. But let's just jump into it. This is Matt Rule talking about the quarterback competition. And basically he's saying it's not his job to decide. I'll let him tell you. Uh, you know, he's been very clear with me that that's not his approach. You know, um, I want every I want us to be a competitive team. I, mean, I talk about competition all the time. I mean, you got to fight for what you want. You know, I, I uh, again, my job is not to pick the starting quarterback you know i have to make that decision but it's the guy's play so you know i mean russell wilson walked into a situation in seattle with you know matt flynn who had just had a guaranteed contract and and charlie whitehurst they just traded for and he won the job um so i want competition the best player will play he wants competition the best player will play now a lot of us haven't really believed this when we've heard it but, man, this has got me feeling some kind of way, man. I don't know. Greg, Greg, what say you, man? Well, uh, I just want to ask when he was talking about that, he says, it's not mine to pick. It's my decision, but okay. it's not mine. Okay. To, does, so does that mean that somebody He's, tells me who's going to be the no. starter and I'm so, just the one who says it? That has right. every, like declares it? Like, no, that has more to do with the fact what he's saying is that it's going to be up to the players to make his decision for him. Basically, right. uh, he's he's saying that yeah. Sam Darnold needs to make himself above and beyond the starter so that Matt Rule has no say in who's the starter. So uh, ultimately, it's just a coach's way of saying yeah. of it's a coach's way of saying I'm I, I you know, come out here and compete and make it hard for me to make a decision that's not you. It it's was almost taking... poorly said in a way, and not yeah. like poorly said as in like it was just like un unintelligible but when he says it's not my job to pick is really he's saying it's not my job to decide this and then he said but it is my job to decide he really mm -hmm. means it is it's like they're the ones that are going to decide this not it's, me yeah. it's my job to identify the guy who wins this job or at least to mm -hmm. be the final stamp of approval what he was just what he's just trying to say is that was a, a one way of saying let the best man win the job, exactly. uh, which also is not Sam Darnold. And I've just decided this is that Cody Lashney on this this show has screamed 
so loudly for the last few weeks and he likes to do this one thing he loves to do this to people would be like what can this dude do that the other dude can't and i will tell you that the difference and i have said this in past shows the difference is not physical it's not a physical attribute at this it is a confidence it is mm-hmm. the 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 bravado the mental fortitude that and I don't and I haven't seen it necessarily with Baker. I mean, even though he looks cool, calm, and collected, and you know, happy and confident, but Darnold looks like a deer in a headlights. He just looks kind of dead behind the eyes in a certain right. way. And to me, I think that Sam Darnold is the biggest Baker bottom of them all, Cody. Oh wow! So listen, part of the reason why I love this. And again, this is if we can take Matt Rule at face value and assume that he is telling the truth, that there is an open, active quarterback competition for these men to undergo and that truly the best player will play. Well, listen, you all know what my feelings on the quarterback room is. I think there's a guy who has a much higher ceiling than everyone else. His name is Matt Corral, and I'm here to tell you that Matt Corral is not looking to be a backup this year. I'll let you hear from him first. I'm just going to put my best foot forward and let the cards fall where they fall. Has Matt, Coach given you an idea yet what, what type of reps, that, you know, how, how the reps are going to be split? No, you know, I'm, you know, I just know that my mentality never changed, and I know that you know, the coaches didn't want that to happen. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in a good spot right now. Can you say your mentality never changed? Can you explain um, you know, like I said, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to try to compete and get the starting job by any means necessary. And, um, you know, like I said, whatever whatever that takes, I'm going to do. And, um, you know, like I said, wherever the calls, cards fall, let them, let them fall where they fall. So you heard it here first, man. Matt Corral, uh, he has been living in his playbook. He went on to say that during uh, his interview. Uh, he also said that, or Matt Rule said of Matt Corral, that when they were still in Charlotte, he went into the weight room and saw Matt Corral putting in work, getting his ready. neck looked a little thicker, bu- didn't it? I know. It's the same thing, dude. His neck is looking beefy, man. So this is my question that I have to all of you wonderful gentlemen on the panel and to everyone in our chat room. Is this a real competition, or is this just Baker Mayfield's job just to walk right into and for him to get the storyline of playing the his former football team, the Cleveland Browns, week one. Mm. I, I think this is a television show like I've always put out there. I think that it's not a competition at all. It's just made to be a competition to give stories to write about. But I think you don't sign Baker Mayfield without starting him this year. Maybe he's not day one. But I, I, I don't see Corral starting this year without injury. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. He may be the best of the three. And unless he can prove that, then, then you know, we won't get a chance to see it. But I just don't think you sign Baker Mayfield without that, especially the hype. The opportunity of him to come back to a team like Carolina and rebuild them into a franchise is too big of an NFL story. It's something mm-hmm. they eat up, you know. So I think – once again, I, I think some of the calls go in, in the favor of things that way. We'll see what happens when the season plays out. But I think that you don't sign Baker Mayfield without starting him. What, uh, you know, the conversation just remains the same. 
It's remained the same for the last three, four weeks at right. this point, and really since Baker got here, is that at the, at the end of the day, it's Baker's job to lose, right? Right? It's Baker's job to lose. If it is a real competition, then Matt Corral actually would have have a chance to win it, right? I mean, like, yes. is that in theory? I don't think it truly is a real competition, right? But I do believe this is. I like. I like what my man's saying. He's coming in. Now, you almost want to say this. Is he, is this him being naive and overly like, um, like kind of letting his swag out a little bit too you much? You mean Matt Corral? Right. Or is it like confidence? And I mean, I know. Mm-hmm. And you know what, what I'm saying is this is it's, it's not an either or necessarily, but some things are confidence and arrogance is a fine line right it's like you go i mean it's just from one little nick to the other that it becomes the other one but what i what i mean by this is this a rookie that hasn't been through a training camp yet hasn't kind of seen the back room of the nfl seen the business side of it much like us from an outsider looking in or is this a guy that is coming in and is very confident, believes he can win? And the reason I ask that is because Sam Darnold is the exact opposite of what that conversation is. In fact, can you play uh, the clip when they asked uh, Sam Darnold about Baker Mayfield and how they were getting along? And what I want to ask is at the same time, is Darnold being diplomatic and cautious and understanding the real nature of the situation or is he mentally a baker bottom hmm. you know i mean and that's it's close it's close we'll see we make her cool um you know i'm sure um you know competing and you know when things start rolling in training camp um you know it's just gonna be fun you know it's gonna we're gonna be able to compete and, and uh have fun with it but at the end of the day you know this is a business and um we both take our craft and what we do very seriously um, so it's, it's going to be very serious when that time comes to compete, but, um, off the field and all that stuff, you can make her really cool. So is that, is that, that attitude, right? That comment right there, is that him, um, you know, basically saying like, Hey, this is, I don't want to come in here and overstate, step my bounds. Like he didn't come in and say, I'm going to try to win this. He's like, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be fun great. when I hold the clipboard and lose the job. It's gonna be fun. Is that is that him being diplomatic, or is he just not the not enough dog? I kind of think it's both of those things. You know, uh, Lynn says Sam is being PC, and I kind of agree. I, I kind of think Sam is one of those quarterbacks that he's trained very well from a media perspective. Normally, he doesn't put his foot in his mouth too much. He generally says the right things. And I think Sam Darnold is kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because there's really no way that he isn't going to come off wrong. If he comes out and says, hey, I'm going to compete for the starting job and really try and win this thing. Yeah, maybe some people would like to hear that from him. But we also know there's a whole other portion of the fan base that's like, this guy, come well, on! They're going to say You're that anyway, though. For anything, but, but that's my point, though. But he really is kind of damned if he does, damned right. if he doesn't. There are no mm. good answers for Sam Darnold to actually give. Well, and there's yeah, go ahead. There's one thing to consider, and I think he actually said this at one point during his press conference. He doesn't have the right 
to be upset, right? Yeah. He doesn't have the right to to throw a fit. Like he's he's not in a position. Baker he had an argument, right? When he when he was being kind of when when they were courting Deshaun Watson the way that they were, Baker has a bit of a complaint, right? He has done things for that organization no other quarterback has done. Sam Darnold has hit and miss with two different organizations, two different coaching staffs, two different uh, different styles of players and 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 way offenses are run. Things like he has struck out twice. Now that that is where I kind of respect what he's saying here, which is like, listen, I have you know I can only do what I can do, right? At this point in time, I think there is a value in in that, and I think there is a reality. And almost maybe even an acceptance of Sam, like, listen, I'm going to fight for that starting position, but I have no ability to sit here and say I deserve it until I've until I do. And and to be fair, at the same time, all he really said was the same thing Baker Mayfield said. He just said it a little more passively than Mayfield right. did. Mayfield said it with a little more, you know, like balls behind it. But he basically just said, we're going to have fun in this competition. I feel like him saying competition is kind of giving up the fact that I'm the starter and you're the guy that has to overcome me. I feel like he should come in saying he's the starter because you are the starter and it's your technically your spot to lose. I I don't feel like he has that mentality. I would just say this. I mean, I don't even need him to say he's the starter. It's like, is that I'm going to go out there is like, I, you know, I know that we've, I've faced challenges in my career with the, with the jets. I was drafted high, you know, had some tough situation there replaced by another high draft pick player came in here and competed and look is that every day i'm going to go out there to earn mine and not just live off of my draft pick or something and it just to me and i know cody what you're saying is there isn't a right answer i don't need a right or wrong answer i'm just trying Mm -hmm. to find any little clue and insight into the psychology of how these guys are approaching it so we look at Uh, Matt Corral, who is, is that youthful optimism or is it a naive perspective that he's going to go in there and even have a shot? Is Sam Darnold's position um, one that is like a beaten, battered, domestic, violent, you know, beat up like uh, Amber Heard got a hold of him on the way? Or (laughs) is he being PC, diplomatic, and cautious? And he's, it, it, it just, it wavers like see i think ck brought up a good one because of, but with the with the question that he responded to was ck was talking about they asked him if he thought about demanding a trade and that's yeah. kind of funny because he is that might have been the best answer he gave it was because he's like dude I, nobody wants to trade for me motherfucker like how am i gonna demand a trade you see what's going on with jimmy g over there remember when they told cam newton that i always love this when the news breaks and you hear a headline that a team gives the player permission to seek a trade. They're like this. We're so fucking done with you. We don't even want to do the legwork. <laughs> right. Just go find a deal and get it for us and we'll approve it. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, Matt Rule even spoke a little bit about this competition. And let's be real, guys. Like, there really is not another quarterback competition in all the NFL quite like the one we have going on here with the Carolina Panthers this Ooh, year. What about it, Trubisky? No, nah, but even that, like they have a young guy, but I mean, the fact that we had three different guys that all of our coaches at one point or another have felt were starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's continue with Matt rule talking about when he will know 
who the best uh, quarterback for the job is. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, he's been very clear with me that that's not his approach. You know, oh, wrong slip. Same. You know, I'm still. I want to like Matt. Man, I won't say I want to like Matt Rule, but I want every moment for me to not just look at him negatively. To me, and to like, this press conference went a long way in doing that. I'll be okay, honest with you. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll expand on it a little bit further, and I'll play some more clips. But uh, this is a clip I intended to play. Oh, now I have to unmute the thing. That has he lost some weight? Go. Yes, he has. I think People he did have also say that. Been yeah. Commenting on his uh, his weight loss. So, yeah. shout out to Matt. I'd love to have it before the Cleveland game. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I think anytime you put timelines on things, you end up rushing to make bad decisions. Um, to me, this is about – very much being in the moment, but not making rash judgments. Some guys are going to have good days. Some guys have bad days. You know, um, you know, we will have our 53 cut, you know, whenever we know, we know we don't have to play games with it. You know, when we kind of know, Hey, this is our guy. We'll, we'll do it. But you know, most teams in the NFL start two quarterbacks throughout the course of the year. So to me, it's our job to not just, you know, pick a starting quarterback. It's to make sure that we have four guys that can go in and win for us. So, um, let me know when the four. So what did you make of that last part? The two quarterbacks. I didn't take that to mean like a dual a dual quarterback system, which is what we did last no, year. No, yeah, but I think he meant like you know maybe injuries late in games. Yeah, injuries happens, but maybe late in the game, late in the year. Maybe you're trying to rush players. He hasn't done that yet, but um, I, no, I basically I think he means this is that there is like it's kind of like saying like. There's a chance. There's a a real chance that Christian McCaffrey is not going to play the whole season, right? There's a real chance that your quarterback might have to miss a game or two or three, and you got to be able to win in those moments. That's what I interpret that is. But then my man went and said four. Yeah, we mean four. We know who the quarterbacks are, fools. Like if you don't know, if it's not Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral. It better not be Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, and PJ. Right. Or <laughs> yeah. Baker Mayfield. Sam, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, is this, is yeah. either Sam Darnold is on this team or he isn't. PJ, sorry, your time is, like, if you if you need to win a game and you can't win it with your third round pick, sorry. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Is that, look, if there's three quarterbacks started or kept on this roster, it better be Mayfield, Darnold, and Corral. Because if it's any other three, I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna be so mad. Can I ask for that clip? When we were walking into that clip, it sounded like he was being asked a question. Oh. We were getting the tail end of that, and he said, "I'd love to know before the Cleveland game." I'm, was or he have him asked, available? Right. So have him available? Was he talking about Baker Mayfield? Because if he was, then we—that's a said done and deal right there. We know no. Baker Mayfield's his starting quarterback. Then. No, so basically, what what he was asked is because remember he said earlier. I'm not going to decide who the quarterback is. The mm. competition's going to decide, or basically, right? So then he was then asked a follow up. Well, when do you think you'll know when the starter is, and when would you like to know? And then that's what he kind of jokingly says. Well, ideally before the Cleveland game. Okay. Yeah, kind of being like hand and fist about it a little bit, but it really does feel like he is doubling down. And again, maybe I'm biased. Somebody already called me out in the chat saying that I only like this because he's giving Matt Corral a shot. And that's 100% the truth. Maybe that's why I want to believe this. But listen, I, I mean, you know, Tony, we've talked about 
chip on the shoulder a lot. And really, if you look at all three of these gentlemen, there is no reason why all three of them should not have the biggest chip on their shoulder that they have ever had in their career. Baker Mayfield is trying to prove that he was worth that first overall pick and that the Baker, or that the Browns rather, did a terrible thing in trading him away for a sex offender. Sam Darnold is one more bad season away from being a perennial backup the rest of his career. If this man really has aspirations on being a franchise quarterback, this is quite literally his moment to do so when the head coach is telling everyone that there is a legit quarterback competition here in Carolina. Then you go to Matt Corral, and you think about Matt, right? He's been having to listen to everyone talk about, oh, this is a quarterback competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, and uh, Matt Corral is just a third-round pick. Meanwhile, he was going to be a much higher pick if he hadn't gotten injured in that bowl game against Baylor. And then on top of that... how much higher? He would have been higher than the third. That was the biggest concern about Matt Corral was his injury that he sustained, or at least it was one of them. So you look at that. That is the recipe for three young men who should come out with their souls on fire to win this starting job and if their head coach is telling them that they have the opportunity to do so. Matt kind of go or Matt Rule goes on later to kind of say how this is perviating the entire roster. And I love it. I think this is going to be a great thing for our, for our training camp this year for us to, to monitor and keep an eye on. I, I Souls can't. on fire. When I listen to Sam Darnold talk, I go, man, that man's soul <laughs> is on fire, dude. Uh good lord. Um so anyway. All right, uh, let's keep going. I think this is to me, Baker's got the he's he's like the dude that's been there before. Right. I got my first question. If we could pull that clip up of him showing up with Shaq Thompson, him and Shaq Thompson uh carpooled together in Shaq's big ass Ford truck, which is a Ford. I it's not a F one fifty. It's like a prowler or something. Somebody put it up, a predator, Ford Predator or something like that. So Pretty and I'm I'm not a Ford guy, I'm a Chevy guy, but it was yeah. a badass truck. And, is this uh, a uh, is this an indication of the fact that he is like number one I, w- for whatever reason? Matt Rule is absolutely in love with Shaq Thompson as a leader on this team. Like he yeah. cannot go a press conference without mentioning Shaq at least five times, right? Um, at least that's how it's been the last you know two or three different press conferences he's done. Well, number one, that part. Now, is it any? Does it? Do you take anything from it that Baker Mayfield, who is wanting to be the leader of the offense, is riding to training camp with the, I guess you would say, leader of the defense and the Thompson? most established player on the team, arguably other than JJ Jansen. Right. Yeah. So, is there any anything to glean from that, or do you think that's just grasping at straws at this point in time? No, I think is that we we could make too much out of it, but I think you're right. Right. Yeah. How about this? Is like, uh, is that if they didn't ride together, we wouldn't have any reason to believe that. Right. <laughs> you know, is that like? I mean, this is 
the longest tenured player, I think, on the team outside of J.J. Jansen. There may, there might be one other player. I doubt it. I don't even know if there's anybody on the team longer tenured than Shaq Thompson. And you're talking about a quarterback. It's not a statement of neutrality entirely. It might not be like an endorsement of Mayfield, but it certainly isn't a non-endorsement. Shaq is not staying out of the fray by taking him. And if anything, I did maybe mistake when I said that Baker Mayfield looked like looks like he's been here. He ain't ever been to Wofford. This man came with just a book bag. Everybody else pulling out multiple damn uh, suitcases and shit. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield comes up there with a book bag, and he's like, "Oh, you mean we got to stay in a dorm?" He's five. He's five stars. He's just Baker everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with CK. Like, I don't necessarily see this as him trying to. I kind of more look at this as Matt Rule is saying that for a reason. Because Shaq Thompson really is a very clearly Mm -hmm. defined leader on this football team. By the way, he was drafted in 2015. Is he, other than J.J. Jansen, he's the longest tenured Panther player. Am I, am I right on I think, that? I mean, I can't think right. of anybody else. Yeah. I think it is. So, so, I mean, I could very easily see this being a situation where maybe he reached out to Baker and said, Hey man, you're new to the team. Why don't we ride together? Why don't I just bring you down there and, and yeah. we'll go together? I could very easily see that being something that happened as well. Um, listen, I've kind of made my opinion known on Baker until he fails me. Or proves me wrong, whatever one, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, all these guys are coming in to compete. And, you know, regardless of Matt Rule's history, I'm going to take him at his word that there is a real quarterback competition to be had. And if Baker Mayfield comes out on top of that, well, then I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield. He still has to show me that he's capable of doing it. But damn it, that's my Panthers quarterback if that's my Panthers quarterback. So, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm ready to kind of reset on Baker Mayfield, if you will. Maybe stop being such a complete Debbie Downer about the guy, and uh, you know, give him an opportunity to win me over. I think, and maybe other people as well. But I'm still on that hill a little bit. Corral. Nah, not off little. the hill. I mean, I'm still <laughs> clutching my Matt Corral flag pretty tight, but I don't know. We'll see. Um. All right, so I want you guys to think. Let's go ahead and jump into a couple of cat calls before our guest Gene comes on. We got uh, still a ton to talk about tonight uh, regarding these uh, this training camp that begins tomorrow. <laughs> um, and at nine forty five, I have to double check and make sure I haven't confirmed it with them. Let me see. As I sent him the link, so I'm hoping nine forty five, Gene Thomas from Buck What You Heard comes and talks a little bit about uh, what's going on in Tampa as they signed. Uh, Julio Jones today, their camp is probably opening up. And on top of that, the Antonio Brown uh, rap video or rap concert. So cool. I can't wait to hear his thoughts on that. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a couple of calls. The number is 252-228-5098. Go ahead and fire it off, Cody. So what are your thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... Who's that kid that 
Wolf Hope 3, uh, like part two. Oh, part two. I'm just going to try to explain this the best I can. Um, so I think I should explain why I'm so high on Baker. Well, one, I, I've been following him since Oklahoma. And once he kicked our ass rookie season, I was like, damn, you know, this kid's got some talent. And I don't care what anyone says. You do not build a team in one year after going one in 31. Baker is actually better when he's back against the wall, when he has to prove something. I've talked to actually many people, gone on many Twitter spaces with people that do believe in Baker like I do, and we all say the same thing. His back is against the wall. I mean, the receivers he's going to be playing with are far better than the Cleveland receivers. I am telling you right now. You watch this year, I guarantee we have more wins than the Browns. I'm calling it right now. I think the Browns are overrated besides for their run game. And yes, their offensive line. But remember, the offensive line started getting good in 2020, the year Baker broke out. And you can't take that away from him because any quarterback should be good behind a good offensive line. But I've also seen Baker play good behind bad offensive line. Right. And if you're telling me that a down year, a bad year for him playing with a complete torn left shoulder, broke a foot in it, broke a bone in his foot, some other stuff going on, and he has like 19 total touchdowns and 13 picks, I'd be like, all right, that's probably a better year than half the people in the league. I mean, you look at Matt Ryan's numbers, he's putting up like 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Baker is a top half of the quarter. He is top 16 in my opinion. And this is the quarterback we've been missing this whole time. Someone that can do enough, but also show signs of being able to do more than just an average quarterback. And the last thing I'm going to say is, y'all are going to think Baker's deep ball is hella sexy this year when DJ Moore is breaking the fuck out. I do not care what anyone says. DJ Moore is going to be great this season. And that's all I got to say, guys. Keep. I'm about tired of the DJ Moore talk. I know it's making its rounds on. It's like, oh, the most underappreciated receiver in the history of the world, DJ. Look, DJ Moore is very good, but he is not going to get any acclaim, folks, uh, on a national scale, on the video games or whatever, and he's not going to be a top-tier receiver until the touchdown number goes up. It's not the yards. It's not the catches. It's not the. It's, a, it's just this. It's, he's had four touchdowns a year. So right. if Baker can get him the ball in the end zone, bro, then all of a sudden you'll be hearing people seeing, talking, and saying what we've been seeing. I like that talk about Baker, Baker's confidence, the swag, the back against the wall. Um, you know, and a lot of people would say this is that like kind of like a not comparing him to Burrow as the player, but, you know, a team that's historically bad and what that player did for them and kind of really, even if you don't think he's the greatest, is like changing a ship that has been sinking the direction of that ship for so long. He's the first person that did it, whether or not he had a good team around him or not. Nobody else has been able to do it to this point. The number is 252-228-5098. I want to uh, thank our friend Dave Hino. I hope that's how I pronounce it. H-E-I-N-O, who donated uh, $20 on PayPal to us this week. We don't ask for the donations, but we certainly appreciate it. You can find ways to support the show monetarily below in the in the bar. There's a cash app. There's PayPal, but Super Chats is one way. But really, the best way to do it is to subscribe, 
a share, telling a friend about the show, and calling in like these fans have at on the cat calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. Let's go to the next call. Hey, boys. Uh, Baby Rhino here. Um, it is Tuesday on the eve of our training camp. Uh, yep. Excited as crap about that. I uh, wanted to give you uh, get your guys' insight on what do you think the big uh, camp battles will be. Um, I think you've talked about it a little bit, but, um, you know, how far do you see this uh, quarterback position going? Uh, there was an interview with Matt Corral saying he's not letting up and he's, he's fighting for that number one. So I uh, thought that was interesting. I thought Cody would like that as well. Um, but, yeah, what you guys thinking? It's, it's, it's finally here. No more off season. I uh, can't wait to see what, what we hear out of this, this training camp, and hopefully we're on the right foot. All right, boys, thanks for everything you do. Uh, everybody smash that thumbs up button, uh, and you. we'll talk to you on the flip side. My man, my man. Uh, you know, that's the that's a great question. As we've been pining over the the quarterback battle and competition that they say exists, there's some real – uh, I mean, there's going to be battles at every level, or and that's what you're hoping for. So if we look around the room, I thought I'm going to start with this one. I thought Cody brought up an excellent point today on Twitter that as news that Shaq Thompson is going to be on the pup list, at least for a little while. I don't know if this is all a training camp. Hopefully it will not extend into the season. Clearly he was walking and carrying his own bags. So, I mean, I got to feel like that this is going to be something that is going to give the young bucks more opportunity. And that brings us to the linebacker position. We've got some question marks there when it comes from Damian Wilson, who was arrested this offseason. I have not heard much about him since. Uh, Who's the guy that we brought in? Corey Littleton? Corey Littleton. Littleton from uh, Las Vegas, I believe, is where he played. But then we went and drafted a very athletic and oh, kind of one of those players that fits the M.O. of uh, our scouting department is like where they check all the boxes off. What's his name? Something Brandon. Brandon, help me out, Brandon Cody. Smith. Brandon Smith. And you brought up the point that Shaq Thompson, this is, could be a blessing in a way to giving Brandon Smith kind of an opportunity to be in the action more and to familiarize himself and maybe even uh, find his way into the lineup. Yeah, what do we make of this knee scope for Shaq Thompson? Well, like, you know, I was I was talking online in my Friday free-for-all chat. By the way, check out the Friday free-for-all every Friday at 7 p.m. You can be a part of the show. But I was wondering, like, is this something that Shaq Thompson – just kind of waited too long to do. And inevitably that recovery time kind of bled over into the training camp window. Like, did he know about this at the end of the season? Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if we know the real story on this. Everybody says that he's going to be good to go come the start of the season. Uh, But he said it would be a good opportunity for Shaq to kind of observe the culture and, um, you know, kind of reinforce himself as that leader. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I think Brandon Smith is an incredible prospect, six foot five, 240 pounds. Like this dude is a monster. He can fly around the football field. Um, every time I've seen him listed, it's always at the will linebacker, uh, almost kind of like as a second to Shaq Thompson. Um, I'm thinking maybe this might be a good opportunity for him to move up. 
I really wouldn't mind if they decided to give him some snaps at Mike. Now, maybe he's not quite along in his development yet to actually be the Mike linebacker in a 4-3 defense, which there's a lot. That's the quarterback of our defense. Um, but I do think that there is an opportunity for him to get major reps at a position of need, man. Panther fans don't need me to remind them how bad our run defense has been the past, what, four years now? It, it's been really bad, and, and we're hoping that a big, fast, physical, downhill linebacker can be just what the doctor ordered. The the article I'm reading says uh, had a minor knee procedure this offseason, likely miss a few weeks' worth of practice and training camp, but he'll be around the field, so they expect him to fully be ready for the regular season. And as far as the depth at linebacker goes, veteran Rashawn Melvin did not report to camp, making a personal life decision. Uh, he may or may not report. So we may be down one more linebacker. Well, we got some young guys, and some uh, some people brought it up in the chat. Is they'll be interested to see where Frankie Louvu fits into this. You've got Amari mm-hmm. Barna, who is kind of a, a a freakishly fast defensive lineman who is not big enough to play defensive end. I mean, at this point, but ran like a, what it was some crazy, like a basically like a wide receiver or running back numbers uh, in the sprint in the forty in the combine. But I, I agree that, uh, again, it's Brandon Smith, right? I mean, I feel like it's such a lame – not a lame name. Is it Brandon Smith? I don't want to say – I'm still getting yeah, to know Brand, these guys. Uh, yeah, Brandon, Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith. Um, you know, is that this is the time that they can learn, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the thing is that training camp is not as important for Shaq Thompson, oh. and it is for a guy like this. So if you want a guy to come along, this is the time – uh, that they can start to learn more about kind of the rhythm, the speed, the the language. I think one of the things, though, when you said the the quarterback is that maybe the Mike linebacker is can be the quarterback and likely is like a lot of times it is very convenient for him to be. But there, I mean, I like I feel like Ed Reed was the quarterback for the Ravens at one point. So you know we are so strong up the middle with. Now you got Jeremy Chin, uh, and on top of that, they brought in Xavier Wilson. Still, again, Woods. we just got uh, w- the guy oh, that we Xavier brought in from Woods. Minnesota, Xavier Woods. Okay, yeah, who has been acclaimed for his communication. You know, like kind of that. Lead. So maybe there's enough behind them to where you could rotate this Brandon Smith kid in there and give him some snaps like that. So that's interesting. Right. My last point before I move on to the next subject is. I always love when they're like, oh, minor knee surgery. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Just to clean out. Like, Don't what is there? Trash in there? Like, it's like, what, it. did you forget to take the trash down to the street last week? Is I know this, is that first of all, uh, I know there are levels and degrees of surgeries, mm-hmm. but like anytime, anything that's invasive is never good. You know, in a way, I mean, I guess it can positively impact your life if you're really hurt. Mm-hmm. But like you don't just get, inv- you know, so I don't I've always wondered what a scope truly is. What the hell are they pulling out? Like, car- it's not. I think they're just cleaning out scar tissue from cartilage. To right. be honest with you, okay. what I think it is, but I'm not positive. But he did not have a knee brace on. Mm-hmm. He didn't. You know what I'm saying? So this is just like they know. I mean, what's Shaq Thompson on the first couple of weeks going to do? Like he's been there before. They don't need. 
This would be like if you're making Greg Olson go sleep in the dam. That's always been kind of the argument about the Wofford environment is like, right. why do you do this to a guy who's been in the league 15 years, make him sleep like he got bringing his own mattress, bringing pillows. They were talking about, uh, I saw Sam Darnold talking about like how many blankets Christian McCaffrey has. He's going to be trying to sneak in. What's her name? <laughs> I, I mean, the guys but, aren't going to uh, mind. Oh yeah, I certainly. Uh, but th- listen, man. If if Panther football has got you feeling all hot and bothered, then man, let me tell you, well, you have come to the right place, you bunch of freaks. Because you know what? When we're feeling hot and bothered, we like to listen to the man with that silky smooth voice, baby, Codizzle. Talk to him, Papa. Ladies and gentlemen, Panthers fans of all ages and genders and maybe non-binary identification, I want to say one thing. The the off-season is over. And now we can have something to be celebrating. We can look forward to the regular season, the preseason, finding out who is our starting quarterback. Who's going to be our left tackle? But you come here. You hear us chalk all these things up, talk about them in depth, maybe debate, maybe die on some hills, but you haven't hit that like button yet? I have one thing to say to all you absolute motherfucking freaks. Subscriber shame. Subscriber Shame, 166 viewers, 78 thumbs up. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit that notification bell. For every single time the C3 Panthers podcast goes live, guys, we are so close. And I mean literally so close to being at 4,000 subscribers, man. Be a friend. Tell a friend. You know this is your favorite Panthers podcast let everyone know what the boys do. We're here year-round, and Panthers football is right around the corner, man. There's no better place to be than the C3 Panthers podcast. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Like, subscribe. Hit that notification bell, baby. Tony Don, you will actually, You'll actually see people catching footballs tomorrow. You will see yes. videos of people playing yes. actual football, right? And Carolina Panthers, not – usfl players or whatever the name of the league is that they're doing now is that this is the actual carolina panthers will mm-hmm. be doing something tomorrow and it's so nice because we want actually have like we got real things to talk about finally real things to talk about and the caller and before we move on to the next call i want to give our last caller who is like the great question is what are the camp battles what are these things that we're watching Ooh. right as we talked to kind of about that linebacker position but I thought CK kind of segued us to another posi- another talk, which is if you want to talk about a man who's ready to die on a hill, Cody Lashley will, and he has been, mm-hmm. for Brady Christensen for oh, a year and a half yeah. now. And on top of that now is that there is as soon as we go and draft Icky, Aquanu, people come out and they say, holy cow, this is Aquanu's, there's no way you're going to draft this guy and play him anywhere but left tackle. And then somehow Matt Rule, who went over, maybe went like on a spirit journey, went to like a 
like a took some peyote and went out and found his found his soul. <laughs> a guy who would some just ayahuasca. Refuse. Yeah, he he went out there and he just he refused last year to say that Christensen he saw foresaw Christensen as a tackle in the league. He softened softened at the end of the season as Scott Fitterer came out and said, I thought we saw a lot of good things out of Brady Christensen. And then you started to see Rule kind of backtrack. Then James Campen comes in. We hire a new offensive line coach who's been around this league for like 20 years. He comes in. He said, man, I really wish we could have had a little bit more tape of Brady Christensen at left tackle to better assess and answer those questions that you're asking me. And then Matt Rule comes out and goes, oh, man, Brady Christensen can play any position, and he's going to compete for the left tackle job. And now story continues to unfold, Cody. What is happening? Oh, do we got something? We got oh, little... yeah. Uh, so we have the very clip of Matt Rule telling you about well, Let's Brady hear Christ. what he got to say. I want to hear. Hey, uh, Brady's going to play left tackle and left guard. And um, uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have kind of a you know, good battle over there at the, both those positions. And like I said to you guys, I feel like Brady's one of our better football players. So it's just, you know, kind of, you know, we got this two-week training camp at, you know, Wofford. Um, I really appreciate Wofford. Really appreciate the people of Spartanburg. Um, you know, we, we went out to dinner last night and um, – People, you know, waitress was, you know, talking about how excited she was to have us here. So I really appreciate being here. Um, but th- during this two weeks, you know, we're not going to decide the whole team or anything like that. But it's this will be a little bit of a grind and, and we'll kind of reevaluate after these two weeks and say, OK, where are we? And might make some changes here and there. But right now, we'll put our heads down. And I think Brady, you know, he'll play both and, you know, see where he's most comfortable and see where the best combination is. See, people clown me, man. But this is why I bring the fire to y'all, man. Because, listen, and my man JD54, he's with me on this too, man. We have been saying forever that it makes more sense than people want to give credit for to put Brady Christensen at left tackle and and Kim McQuanu at left guard. And that's because you're finding the best possible way to put both of these men on the football field at the same time. Now, that is not to say that Akima Kwanu can't play left tackle. I think he definitely can. But, man, I really think that Brady Christensen is best suited as a tackle in the NFL as opposed to a guard. It's going to be a very interesting uh, competition between the two of them. But, man, everybody that was saying that I was crazy for even suggesting that Christensen should be playing left tackle – Dude, I'm telling you, man, that's why I do come to this I, podcast, man. There's a c- couple of things that stick out to me about this discussion. First of all, is that uh, I know everybody is going to is flipping over your comments about the left tackle stuff, which I have some criticisms and some support. I got roasted on Twitter for this take. I know for a long like, time. Roasted. Uh, for me, it's more upsetting is Matt Rule's backtracking on Christensen. Like, is that is like, oh, he's one of the best players on our team all of a sudden. Like, you barely even said he was worthy of being out there last year until you needed him more than anything. Uh It was, I felt he was so resistant. Oh, we don't want to rush him out there. That was the first thing. We don't want to rush him out there. That was the first thing. The second thing was, oh, we see him as a guard. We tried him at right guard. Then we tried him at like, and then he finally put him in at left tackle and he did the best out of all the positions he played last year. And so to me, the real kind of disconcerting part of this is I hope this is Matt Rule learning his lesson, I guess, 
and being humble enough to change his opinion, which is a very hard thing in this world mm-hmm. when we start believing things to change our direction and course. So if that is the case, that's great. I just hope it's not him just like just constantly backtracking on anything. I hope it's not that. The next point about this is it really only two weeks training camp at Wofford? Felt mm-hmm. like a, a, yeah. so it's shorter than I thought. All right. And then the last point was um, oh to the the actual combination. I don't one th- I don't like when you say this is that uh, to get these both guys on the field better suited makes more sense. I think that's forecasting it a little bit too much, like predicting it a, a bit too much. Right. But I just feel like this is the real answer to this question is is a Quanu. If you're going to just say who's better at a singular position, that's one that's one question to have. So if Aquanu is a better left tackle than Brady Christensen, straight up, apples to apples, maybe it is Aquanu. Maybe the people are right. But the other question is really what's the better duo? And is the better duo Christensen at tackle and Aquanu at guard or Aquanu at tackle and Christensen at guard. And that does not, it's not a referendum on the other player necessarily of who's better, who's more qualified. It's just this is that if Christensen is a less of a liability on the outside than he is on the inside, then you should put, a, then maybe you would be stronger. And I think maybe that's what he was lending to. All right. As to yeah. make the line as a whole a better offensive line, is it better to have it that way is what you're saying. Not And, and like you said, I think it's a fair right. assessment to say it's not saying that Christensen is going to be a better tackle than Icky. But maybe as a whole, the overall improvement to the entire line might right. might be a net positive to have Icky at guard and, and Brady Christensen at, at, at tackle. I think that's mm-hmm. a fair assessment. Do I think that's the what we're going to see? I well, don't. The the real question is how much I think no matter what you're going to have both of them out there, whichever way you do it, Christensen at guard, Christian at tackle, the other one opposite. Um, I mean, what's going to be the difference between the two is what I want to know. Like, how much better is one going to be than the other as long as you still have both of them out there in almost the same position? You're talking about a guy moving over what three feet and playing a slightly different. I understand, but I mean, it's more position. Yeah, so one of the things that Brady Christensen excels at is his athleticism. I mean, he was rated very, very highly from the combine to his PFF grades for his athleticism. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to, like, comment on this, too. There is, like, this devaluation of the guard position. Like, people instantly think left tackle – Oh, that's the premier offensive line position. That's where all the big money contracts go. You know, that's the guy. However, I've been saying this for a while. I think that your pocket is just as important to a modern NFL offense as it ever has been, especially if you want to run the football. Imagine if we put a Kim Aquanu at left guard and he ends up becoming a Quentin Nelson kind of player. Right. Just an absolute mauler and a road grader in the middle of your offensive line when defensive tackles are getting better and better, you have a juggernaut right in the middle of your offensive line just mowing fools over. Uh, I mean, to me, that that is that's the best thing that, that we could possibly hope for. 
again, I think that Akimakwanu, no matter what position he plays, is going to be a very good all-pro football player at left tackle or left guard. I have a feeling that Christensen is more a tackle than he is a guard, so I don't necessarily feel the same way about him at the guard position as I do at tackle. So to Greg's point, if this does get everyone on the field at, at a position where they can really do some damage, I think it's the best thing that, that we could possibly do. Okay. It's Just think of it this, folks, is that if you're telling anybody they're stupid for one of these things about the offensive line, this is the first fucking time in – I don't know how long that we've, that we've been had able a battle at left to tackle. be stupid about it. It's like, yeah. what? You mean yeah. we might have a guy who could play, be a, a pro bowler at the guard and the left tackle position? And maybe, like, what? Huh? Yeah. And now, uh, the I will push back a little bit on the devaluing the interior part because you're kind of of the, uh, by those people, who have devalued it on the other side of the football, like is the problem is drop drafting Derek Brown in the top 10 because of the position. And it's not because of the player and the quality of the player, but that defensive tackle in the top 10, you've been critical of that. Let's turn the tables to the defensive line real quick and talk about a couple of battles there real quick. We, we mentioned about some of those at linebacker, but if we look at this, is that Derek Brown, I think, is taking an unnecessary amount of heat uh, from Panther fans and the media. I think that is that I hope he put he fights back against them. Mm-hmm. This dude has basically started every game except for one since he came into the league. Our defensive line got better. Mm-hmm. I guess if you thought all of a sudden he was going to be a game changer like uh, Aaron Donald or something, then you probably – mistaken in your evaluation of him but like really at this point i would say is what has he done that star latula like what's the how has his career fallen short of where star latula lays did maybe star latula in his second year was one on the as was part of the best defensive line in panther history arguably other than the 2003 or four line or whatever when we had chris jenkins and all of them but they had 60 some sacks that year that was Star's second year, I believe. Or maybe it was his rookie year. It's 2013 because we got Cam in the first round in 2011. Then we get Luke, Luke. in 2012. So it was his rookie was year. Thir- and Coney Ely. And K1 Short. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I said Coney and K1 Short. Exactly. So I just think in this is that I don't know if the Derek Brown letdown thing has been a, is, is necessary. But he got some questions today. If we look at that defensive line, though, really the question is not about the interior on that defensive line, but who wins the position opposite of Brian Burns? Will anyone win it? Will it be a committee-type approach between Marquise Haynes, Uter, Gross Matos, and maybe even a sprinkle of like just a speed rush of Frankie Louvu out there? Or will we bring in another guy We've met with Carlos Dunlap. I believe Scott Fitterer has said that is not entirely off the table. Tell us a little bit about the defensive line battles that you guys see. 
So one of the big battles, it appears to be on the edge. And one of them is, uh, uh, I kind of feel the competition might be from a person uh, who isn't even on our our team yet. Um, so, for example, this has been rumored for a long time. This is um, Scott Fitterer talking about the potential of adding yet another big body defensive end to our team. Yeah, we made our calls uh, yesterday. Um, it's something we're still looking into. We'd like to add a big body pass rusher, uh, that type. No, nothing imminent right now. So they want to add another big body pass rusher. And to me, I, I said this on Twitter, that screams of Carlos Dunlap. Mm-hmm. And this is a player that has been linked to us for a long time. I believe he had like nine sacks last year for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. You know, I, I really like what this guy is capable of. Um, I think that opposite defensive end position on the other side of Brian Burns is probably the biggest question mark on our offensive line. We have guys, like Tony mentioned earlier, uh, a juiced-up uh, YGM, not steroid juice, but he's just lifting, man. He's getting strong. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a gross models. Uh, we also have Marquise Haynes, a longtime veteran of the Panthers now, who's coming back, kind of built similar to Mario Addison. Um, I would say a lot of uh, – I remember Ron Rivera loved him when he was coming out. Um, but, you know, there really isn't a ton of experience. And when you're losing well, a Marquise guy like Haynes Hassan, has been around for a minute. Yeah, but, I mean, like, he's never really been the dude. He's never been, like, our main guy on the offense – or on the defensive line, rather. And I think that kind of worries the Panthers, knowing that they no longer uh, have Hassan Reddick on the opposite end of Brian Burns, I think they want to get big and physical. And how many times have we heard our coaches say that they want to set a physical edge? They want big guys on the line of scrimmage setting a very strong physical edge. I think Dunlap does that, and it allows Derek Brown, uh, Brian Burns, and everyone else on our defensive line to play faster. So that's the biggest one for me as of this moment, is that that right defensive end. I like that Dunlap, but I'm reading articles about it right now. It looks like Kansas City's interested in him, too. So it seems like they were a little bit cheaper, to be honest. When he met with, uh, well, you know, he might make a mistake on that one, the hair. Not because they're not, we're better, but, man, that division, this is a, they might not be the best team or they might know. be the worst team in their division at this point, or at least split in Las Vegas. I mean, this things are are changing in that division very quickly, and right. their team has changed. But when it comes back to Dunlap real quick, is that he's been pretty vocal about having good meetings with them, you know, like a positive experience, being healthy. Some people I've seen and read have speculated that really what it's coming down to isn't necessarily a number that they're agreeing on for payment, but what their role, what Dunlap's role would be. Right. And I think he's wanting a little bit more, or they, they've implied that he wants a little bit more assurances of getting some snaps or getting right. these snaps, mm. the majority of them. So uh, first, before we go on into that, um, there's a request 
from the Bat Daddy for the Bat Daddy. Orange oh. Jelly Ninja with a two dollar and forty cents uh, super chat needs a whoop whoop from you. Whoop whoop. Uh, <laughs> uh, there right, it is. We'll, there we'll get to that two dollars and forty cents for your services, yeah. sir. There you go. And also <laughs> shout out to Q Sparks uh, for the five dollars super sticker. Appreciate you guys, man. Uh, hit that like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Um, yeah, you know, this uh, this defense, um, you know, this is going to be an interesting one. You mentioned Derek Brown, Tony, and kind of uh, compared him to Starla Tudelay. And I've always said that Starla Tudelay, we didn't truly know his value until we didn't, didn't have, have him, him anymore. Yeah. And I'm then we saw, people. oh, man, he really made everything happen. And, you know, I, I think when you're, you know, this kind of goes back to it came in corner at left guard. If you look at what Derek Brown does, he is meant to be that big, powerful force in the middle. He's not going to have five-plus sacks a year normally. Maybe if he has a good year, but that's not really the purpose of what Derek Brown is meant to do. He's meant to be a destroyer of offensive lines, and mm-hmm. that's what the man has been really good at doing. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been a long proponent that if Davion Nixon – actually steps up in the way that we're all thinking and hoping that he might, that might be a one-two tandem that is reminiscent of a star of the two and a K-1 shorts right next to each other. Um, that's definitely the, the big position uh, battles that I'm looking for is that defensive interior as well. Mm. How does Matt Ioannidis factor into this? That's another name that we haven't really mentioned that much either. Um, it, we have a, a bunch of different battles that are playing out on this roster. Um, I'm a little worried about relying on Matt Ioannidis too much. Number one is he's come; he's had a lot of injuries, right? He had one really good season, I believe. Um, so, you know, is that I hope he works out. But if that is the only plan, there could be a problem with that plan. So that's why... Those guys, like you said, Davion Nixon, Phil Hoskins, like we need somebody, Bravion Roy potentially, which I feel like he's fallen to the back of that list now, you know, of potentially like breaking through and maybe being a contributor uh, to this. Any guesses on where uh, Matt Ioannidis went to college at? Uh, Sounds like a USC name. I don't know Mm. why. There's only one college you can go to and play for the Carolina Panthers. No. He went to Temple. Oh, Temple, yeah. It was Temple guy. There are seven Temple players on our team. I found it today. I looked it up. It's like there's no – there's Mississippi. We've got three from Mississippi, maybe two or three from Alabama. We've got – but Temple, seven (laughs) players from Temple. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. The whole um, chat knew it instantly. The the moment you asked, yeah, I know it was a it was a meatball, you know. Uh, but one of the things is is uh, Matt Rule lost a little weight this off season, but it sounds like he lost something else too, or got rid of something else. Cody, one of the big or early stories coming out is a reaction story from last year's camp. Something that I felt like took a ton of heat. I don't know if it was necessary 
that it took the heat that it did, but it became symbolic. And kind of um, this one sign, it became a sign, an anti-sign. It was like the Antichrist coming for our season last year, and they decided to get rid of that bad juju, Cody. Tell us what about this new story about getting rid of something other than a double chin. Yeah, man. So uh, I'll just let Matt Matt Rule tell you. And I'll I'll say this. You know, earlier I said that I liked this press conference from Matt Rule. And one of the reasons I liked it is just because it kind of shows growth to me. Like the man talks a lot in good game a lot of the time, and yet we fail to see it in practice. Well, this man has had only two to five win seasons back to back. So I think he's showing the humility of maybe evolving a little bit and trying to, you know, become a better head coach than he has been two years. Maybe it starts with getting rid of the DBO sign. Yeah, we, 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 you know, we, the DBO sign to me was like a a step in a process, you know, kind of like, hey, oh my God, you know, if if you're not, you're going to run over there and hit it. That kind of, be quite honest, followed what Coach Belichick and some of those guys did, and Coach Flores, like they had it. Then the next year, they kind of transitioned away from it. Uh, in fact, um, we jumped off sides one time in the spring, and Shaq and Frankie started screaming for the guy on offense that he had to go run to the DBO sign. I was like, hey, it's not there anymore. Um, you know, we, to me now, we have so much competition that the punishment now is just kind of coming. You, j- you jump off sides, you just kind of come out, and someone else takes that rep. And, um, you know, you can only kind of do that when you have a pretty talented roster, a lot of competition. We have a ton of competition. I know everyone's going to focus on one of them, but there's a lot of competition. And so, uh, but to answer your question, there's a lot of things I'm going to do differently because we're in year three. You know, as a coach, the first two years, you're kind of setting the foundation, setting that, you know, now kind of all on the same page. One thing I think we do a great job of is we have a lot of fun at camp. Yeah, we, 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 you know, we, the, so that was in the clip. Terrible Tony, Tony, answer. I, I feel like, you know what, said. dude? I feel like you really are my internet wife because you just play the contrarian to me every time. <laughs> the moment that I like something that Matt Rule says, uh, this sounds, it sounds like such an idiot. <laughs> Tell yeah. me why this is so stupid, Mrs. Uh, Cody Lash. I'll tell you exactly why because you could just say, look, is that we're not doing it this year. Um, and we t- I know you guys made a lot of fun of it or whatever, but we were trying to enforce, you know, promote accountability last year. But we got other ways that we're doing it, and that's not going to be a feature of my camp every year. But to be like, oh, well, it was just, you know, I see it as a step in the process. Is on, on year one, we start with the come to work sign. In year two, we do do your job, don't beat ourselves sign. In year three, we go, let's win a bunch of fucking games sign. Like, it was like, <laughs> no, it wasn't a step in the process. And then he was like, oh, well, you know, uh, something I borrowed from Belichick and Flores. What the fuck you know about any of those dudes? Yeah, You know, I mean, come on. It's like, oh, well, they. I, I read a story when I was a kid that Bill Belichick used to make people do sit-ups or something. Like, I mean, it just felt like, just own it. Be like, I felt like it became a distraction. I felt like it became unnecessary. Or just say, we don't have it. We're doing things different. It just, it was one of those things. It's like, don't tell me you're wrong and you're sorry, but then tell me all the reasons you weren't wrong in the process. Uh, For me, it's looking at and listening to him talking about 
the first two years are laying the foundation and now we have it established and we're ready. What foundation has he laid in the first two years? Multiple different starting quarterbacks, loss of draft picks, two back-to-back five wins. What foundation have you laid down? I know. There's no culture in Carolina. Like you haven't established any kind of culture. What is he talking about? And like, and what, and the other thing was like, you know, last year we needed that. This year we got so much better players. You just coming out. Like it's like, oh, you make a mistake. Oh, uh, Baker Mayfield made a mistake. Get the fuck out. Sam Darnold in. Baker, Sam Darnold made a mistake. Matt Corral, I get think out. You guys just, are reading just, so much into this. Let me. That is just, like, like can, can I ask you a question? Like, what should he have said there to make you happy? Hmm. Not talk yeah, less about he, it. Not, not talk. Talk but less he, about but, it. But like man, what I'm saying, not try to explain why it was a good thing last year, but it's not a good thing. Who really gives a shit? Don't buy can into we say this? that like, bait. We all, we all thought the sign was corny as hell. And that ultimately it was just a waste of time. It was some high school football type of shit. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really like it, right? All I heard was Matt was saying, yeah, we did away with the DBO sign because it's kind of bullshit. And maybe he took a long way of saying that's it. that's all you heard? But he at the end of the day, all. we're moving on. We're moving I, down I wish he would have said that. Ass. Yes. If he, if, he would have, if he would have said that right there, I'd have been like, cool. CK, right yeah, there. Yeah, if he just said that. On his own shit corny, though. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Play it one more time, Cody. Let's listen. Let's listen for the moment when he said, oh, it just, uh, you know, it's just not something we do anymore. Or it was bullshit. It was like a, a step in a process, you know, kind of like a fucking process. You know, if, you, if you're not going to do it, you're going to run over there and hit it. That kind of. Be quite honest, followed what Coach Belichick and some of those guys did, and Coach Flores, like they had it. Then the next year, they kind of transitioned away from it. Uh, in fact, um, we jumped off sides one time in the spring, and Shaq and Frankie started screaming for the guy on offense that he had to go run to the DBO sign. And I was like, "Hey, it's not there anymore." Um, Golly gee. You know, to me, now we have the so players miss it now. That the punishment now is just kind of coming. You, j- you jump off sides, you just kind of come out, and someone else takes that rep. And, um, you know, you can only kind of do that when you have a pretty talented roster, a lot of competition. Can I tell you something else? Competition. The punishment. No, and tell me, how does he know that Bill Belichick used it in an incremental step in building towards <laughs> that, the future? Like, that's I just did, a- He had another press conference yesterday, and he said that they messaged the NFL about moving the starting times as well because it's so hot down there in Wofford that some of the allotted NFL times that you have to train, it's damn near unbearable out there. Um, But in talking about that, you know, I think he also kind of realized, hey, making a bunch of grown men jog up and down the field in 105 degrees Spartanburg heat just to go and touch a DBO sign, it's like, yeah, it, it, it was dumb. It was he always still used dumb. the word punishment. He Did he use the yeah, word man. punishment? Is that was a punishment for a mistake? Now we're going to punish your mistake by taking you out for a snap. I don't know if you punish players in the NFL. Instead, coach them. The harder you get coached, the harder I can coach, right? Or whatever the hell he says. I mean, did it's we? Just like it really sounds Ron, like a weird. A weird idea for a guy who has been a coach 
for you, you there's players like imagine going up to JJ Jansen and he's been a, a long snapper in this league for 20 years and he makes a mistake and you're like, get the hell out of here. Why don't you <laughs> oh. say them? You know, and it's like this real, like, let me tell you but how imagine doing that to Cam Newton. Oh, wait, we have like we we it's not it's not abnormal. I mean, we're in a in a game like there's coaches, right? This isn't like a scenario where like, I mean punishment is okay. Right. The reality is there's there's different levels of punishment. Right. There's the running sure, but there's also I'm going to release you from the team punishment. There's you're not going to play this week because you played horribly this week. The next the past weeks you played. Those are punishments. You're getting benched. That's a punishment. Like just because like he had a different way. I mean, the thing is, here's the thing that's tough about this. And Tony, I think you would be completely the opposite way if he was successful. Right. If he would, if this team did well last year, you're praising everything he's saying he's doing right there with the DBO sign. You know, we, it was a well, process. No, if the process we were good and, last year, they wouldn't have gotten rid of the DBO sign. They would have kept it. That's <laughs> not true. You know, it's like, is that he, oh, it's like this process. Like, no, now we've grown and matured. No, past you, the know, DBO sign. you know, you know, every right coach, now, I, every has single coach this. has a new thing every year, every single one. Ron Rivera had a new saying every single year. Bill Belichick has a new saying every single year. Obviously, do your job is involved. But every single one of these coaches have a new thing to harp on every single year because they're trying to keep, let's be honest, they're trying to keep their message fresh, right? And so the DBO is a, was a, was, it wasn't going to stick around forever. It was, you know, we had a very young team. And I think those young players are now starting to become more uh, veteran than they were, you know, rookies. And I think All there right. is a value to be taken with that. I think I want to bring up Lynn's comment. She said, Tony, oh. he's still trying to qualify his actions to temper. That's really the problem I have with his answers is him qualifying his mistakes in this. Or it's like, if you think it That's was fair. a mistake, you know, it's just like here. Oh, here's why it wasn't a mistake, but we're not. So I don't really care. You could say this and you could say the heat. You could say we have a different saying this year. Um, I want to go back to this is why they need to come and talk to us, folks. Matt Rule, the next Panthers coach, y'all need to just come on the C3 Panthers podcast before you start training camp. Mm -hmm. And we can tell you it's a fucking great idea to have practice early in the morning. And arguably, eight is kind of late in the South like this. It's like imagine if you cut in grass and you'd be like, we're going to start cutting grass at eight o'clock in the morning. No. That's already, bro. It was 70. Yeah. No, it was 94 degrees here at 7:30 the other night, dude. <laughs> at 7:30 at night. Mm -hmm. The sun wasn't even shining. I don't. It was like it was like sunset and it was like still cooking. It is hot, folks. We could have told you that. So it took you 3 years. Actually, they it didn't only you only had one. I guess they didn't do it to the 2 years before. Uh, but no, is that like that makes sense? Uh, Ron Rivera did a bunch of stuff like this too. Is towards the end is like thinking more about how to preserve his veteran players, how to move to practice. They had a lot of night practices, a lot of morning practice. They got rid of the day practices, but it just shows you how fucking wildly crazy people were in the eighties and the nineties doing two a days. These most were like doing cocaine and going out there and blasting. And shit. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, dollars a year. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's like, Hey, let's take some meth and go play football, bro. <laughs> like, wild, 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 so, wild stuff. Go ahead. Um, Cody. 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I just, just one last point to what we were saying there about the, the Matt rule with the punishment. It isn't really the only way to punish these guys in the pocketbook. I mean, seriously, like, think about it. If Sam Darnold makes a mistake in practice and say your punishment is you've got to run and hit the sign, isn't the whole way he's running that sign, he's saying, oh, 19 million, 19 million, 19 million. Like, I mean, really? Like, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I think making these the guys do level. more exercise is that much of a – no, don't get me wrong. I've been in the Army. You can make exercise a punishment. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. It's not necessarily I don't think about they're going the, to that level. Like, uh, you're also taking time away from the huddle. You're having to run to the sign. It's hot as shit. You know, listen, a- again, say what you want about the man's answer. He moved on and got rid of the corner shit. That's yeah, why okay, I like it. Okay. You can say that the answer is kind okay, of whatever. Yeah. Now, That's my exactly. final, we all agree my, on that. My final clip of Matt Rule, and this harkens back to what Greg said at the start of the podcast. We're all feeling hopeful. We all feel like, hey, man. Hope springs eternal. The season is about to start, right? Well, one of the reasons why I am feeling that very same thing about this football team is because of what Matt Rule is getting ready to describe right now, and it's the air of competition all up and down this roster. Yeah, I I just think this: every guy on our team's competing. Uh, Now, you might not be competing for your job. You might be the – we all know you're the starter, right? Taylor Moten – is the starting right tackle, you know, but he, he's also though competing against all the great rushers. He's going to face all year long. I mean, he has to have a better camp than them. So uh, that, that spirit of competition, that was a focus for <clears throat> spring. I think you guys all saw us end with the, uh, you know, kind of the, the Panther games as a fun way to do that. Um, our guy, this team, they love to compete. If I say, Hey, let's go run forties. They look at me like I'm nuts. I say, Hey, let's see who the fastest guy is. And they run forever. So they're competitively spirited. Um, I do think that having a competition at the top at quarterback, I think the feedback I've gotten from the players is um, it will it will bring out the best in everyone. Um, I just think that every player on our team doesn't need to worry about that competition. They all have to worry about their own competition for their role, for their spot, but also for their standard of play when the season comes. So, again, it's the competition. What it's the nerd. competition, stupid. That's yes, but, what it is. What it's the a, competition, and I, I, nerd, I like that, dude. man. Um, I, I like the fact that we have an air of people whose job is kind of on the line, that everybody's job is kind of on the line. And this is something that I've said for a while, too. Everyone has something to prove. No one on this team doesn't have something that they need to prove this year. And when you have a guy that's competing for your job, or, hey, let's say you're Big Snacks, you're Davion Nixon, and you know that they brought in Matt Ioannidis, and you're like, oh, we don't need this Matt Ioannidis. We got big snacks. And if he takes that mentality into practice and everyone does, dude, I'm hoping that we can get a confident, aggressive, pissed off Carolina Panthers that are looking to come out and smack some fools across their mouth. Mm-hmm. I think that competitive nature to the football team is how that starts for us. Yeah. What what he just did was he just filled his essay paper, meaning he just put, yeah. he just put pointless sentences that are obvious statements or either yes. saying the same thing over in a different way to reach that thousand word. I can't limit. believe because I'm the Matt Rule defender here. Listen, listen to this though, Cody. What does it mean to say not only is he competing on our team, he's competing with every other defense tackle in the league? Well, no shit. 
You always are. And more to the point in the broad scheme of things, yes. But more to the point, no, he's not. He's not competing with Aaron Donald for his job, for his starting position. That's a dumb statement to make. All it's doing is just words to come out of your mouth. That's not he's saying such a anything. Nerd. You're competing with every other nerd. defensive tackle in the league. But no, I just, no, you're not. Just, you're competing hate- with... The other players in your team for the starting position. Just a nerd. Period. It's not that it's wrong. I, just, it's just I feel like these are nitpicky things. Like if you want to, con- if you want to be problematic with like the things he does with the team, great. But like these things are such a small part of what he does. Like this that's is fair. such like like I, that's the thing. And I, I listen. I don't want to no, talk good you guys, but like no, I'm I'm saying like listen. He is literally answering questions. And, and, and being pretty straightforward about his answers, right? He's not sitting here saying what Bill Belichick says, it'll be fine. It'll do good. It'll be all right. It'll be a good player. We just do our job. You know, like, like at least he's given us some, like, it let, he's turning what Bill Belichick's uh, press conference would be a three-minute press conference into a 15-minute affair for us to be able to enjoy and maybe even have conversations like this. Like, Yes, does does some of the stuff as every single coach in the entire NFL does? Does some of it just <clears throat> is it empty? Sure. Guess what? If you watch Scott Fitterer's press conference, he did a lot of the same shit. Like, and you, like nobody wants to talk about that. It is not. It's irrelevant. What he's how he's saying or what he's saying does not matter. What matters, and I will I will agree with you on a, on a lot of this, is how he actually coaches this team. And if we actually have a problem with that fantastic we can probably all agree on that but this press conference we can be happy i think cody can be excited about what he's saying but the idea that we're nitpicking these small things is just so trivial he's a nerd yeah. dude he's I, a fucking look, I mean, nerd. you're you're right ck it is trivial and it is fair but you can make the same argument whenever you're trying to tout how great it is. Well, it's a very trivial, small thing to be touting about how great he is with this because of what he said, you know? I mean, so, but you're right. It is very trivial and small. I just think it's, it's not my man. It's like, look, is that, does that mean that that the team's going to be bad because I don't like his, his answer or love his answer. I just think he's a dork, dude. I think he's a dorky nerd. And I don't know if that inspires me at this point. My man said this as he goes, Oh, I mean, if I say go run 40s, the guys look at me like I'm fucking crazy. Well, yeah, they do, because who the hell runs a 40 other than at the combine, dick? You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't do that at practice. Like, what the hell is that going to Of course, we would all look. But, this oh, is- but if I say who's the fastest guy on the team, then they will run for days. He, I felt like he's just going to come out and be like, <laughs> you see that video of them bowling the other day? But Remember listen- when, they all, when the rookies went bowling? He's like, oh. Did you see the competitive bowls they were doing? It's just nerd shit, man. And the only thing is this, is that, like, I just sit there thinking, you know where the competition is? Yeah, we're all competing. Even the coaches are competing, motherfucker, for our jobs. I might not even be head coach well, next year. But, like, to, to, to CK's point, though, like, okay, well, to, to Tony's point, too, like, we know that he's a dork. Okay, we know who Matt Rule is. He's going to give you the coach speak. Like you know that he's gonna give you the platitudes. Like we already know all this shit. As a fan who has been so completely just chewed up and spit out these past two years by Matt Rule and his coaching regime, I'm just looking for any sign of growth. Okay, I'm looking for any sign that this man is taking the active steps to be a better head coach than he was before. I'll tell you what, 
there was not a competition last year at left tackle. There wasn't. That was Cam Irvin's job, and Matt Rule was going to be damned if anyone else is going to tell him different. Now it went from no more DBO sign to every place is a competition. Dude, that is a step in the right fucking direction, man. And look, I'm no Matt Rule believer, but I'm telling you, he is starting to say things that are starting to make me say, okay, maybe we are indeed moving in the right direction. Like, that's all I'm looking for. I know that Matt Rule is a nerd. I know he's going to talk in coach speak and platitudes. That At the end of the day, it's probably just him talking a little bit too much. I don't care, dude. I want to see your forward trajectory, and I feel like I'm seeing that right now. We're seeing a guy who looks, number one, last year we saw a guy who was defeated. Matt Rule looked defeated. At the end of the season, he looked rough. He looked like he had barely been able to sleep, right? Looks like he had just let the, the amount of travel and the amount of fast food and everything hit him, right? Like, he looks like he is a much different human being. Now, is that saying he's going to be a better coach? No, right? But listen, I if 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 there's one thing to say about it, if he's able to come into this season with all of these new additions and he's able to actually pull something out of the hat, like, it's hard to argue that that three-year, progr- or that three-year plan that he's always got where the team started, it's hard to argue that, right? Because he's done it not only on the college level, but potentially on the, on the NFL level, right? And so I, I think at this point in time, like we're, this is the third year, right? This is the year. This is also the same year that Matt Rule or uh, Ron Rivera was on the hot seat, and he, you know, and he was able to turn it around, and he became beloved by the Carolina Panthers fan base, right? So Matt Rule still has a, a little bit in the tank. Again, we've all been very critical, and maybe it's because I'm at the beginning of the season, and I think we're a bit optimistic about the the future of this team. But I'm willing to give Matt Rule one more year, and if it doesn't go well this year, then it's all bets are off. But I think right now it's fair to say he's got a shot. I just think that even if Matt Rule is successful this year, there is no way anybody can say, well, look, the three-year plan. There is absolutely no way the point he's at was his plan to get here. If he gets, if he gets, if we win this year, he may be, maybe it's because of something he did, but this was not his plan. Other than, other than the quarterback, what else do you say went went outside of his plan? Mm. Well, last year, firing his whole staff. Well, I mean, that was was not in his plan. Right, right. So, but I, I guess my my point is, is like right now, it looks like to me what he is to do based on the way that this third year is going is come in, try to establish a, a, a culture, find out who are the leaders, then kind of build it into the second year, start to add some additions, make it a, a more molded around what he wants. And then the third year is to try to make these players become the leaders, right? Become the team uh, like he said, he's wanting to make Shaq Thompson essentially an assistant coach to be out here holding his guys accountable. Because if you can say, hey, listen, you are not just a player. You are a part of this organization. You're a part of this team, and you're going to take the reins. I think that's going to allow for some accountability. Now, if it doesn't work, he looks like a stooge, right? But if it does work, I think you can say his process is something that is valuable to p- potentially look forward to in the future. The only thing I think we can look at as far as from his his specific coaching is that he has not gone to plan as the quarterback. And I think we can also say 
the 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 turnover of a GM and the turnover of his coaching staff, his the hiring staff, of dude, right. the entire staff, other than one person. Well, let's and let's also. Well, I mean, no, I think there was more that stayed, right? No, well, like, it's like see, that's every where I'm, I'm, single fucking person is new. And now, look here. To answer your question is this, is that people who haven't watched this podcast for maybe the entire time of, of Matt Rule could see this as nitpicking this and that. Matt Rule's got to win me win me now. Right. He doesn't deserve my praise. He doesn't deserve anything. And for the reason that being is because you want to say how it was supposed to how I think it was supposed to go to plan outside the quarterback is this for us to get better from one year one to two. And what the real I after year one of Matt Rule, I actually thought, man, this guy isn't in over his head. We looked right. competitive. We it, like he said a lot of the right things. It looked like, uh, man, we drafted all this. We got young quick. We did. It looked like we were stepping forward, and it was just the regression last year. And not that we just had a bad year. It's not just wins, folks. It's the way you lose. Sometimes. Right. And so people want to point out that Ron Rivera stunk his first two years. Well, you know what? Ron Rivera did all of his years that they were bad. They finished strong. I mean, he didn't lose the team. They always had a tough November and December to where you said, you know what? Is that, man, some shit went wrong this year. This isn't the best season we ever had. But it's gonna. It's like there were signs of trudging through it. Last year felt like, like you said, defeat and it wasn't just from the fan base it was from the players it was from the coaches and so that's the real thing that was uh the that's the real thing that was but you know is kind of concerning me and my last point about it is just this is i agree with greg is look is that if this works maybe it just says this is that it took you know he got better some whatever I want to give him praise. If he has a good year, I can't wait to celebrate it. But I do think that this college comparison, it took three years. I'm so tired of hearing it because the college game and the pro game is just fundamentally different. And it's not that the football, that's not like you're playing baseball and hockey different, but it's the recruiting process, the size of the rosters, just the way that, college football is structured is just a different animal and so i don't know how you can just be like well it took three years at baylor so it's going to be like this in the nfl and i'm not saying that he should have done it faster either i just think if it happens in year three it's more coincidence than this three-year process but i think i think that's also unfair right i think it's also unfair to say that it's just coincidence when it's happened i know no, that that it happens in th- year three right that's, that's what i'm saying. saying is that right it's not that because it was like the three-year trajectory like right. it could happen but, in year four but i think it's also fair to say like listen he he the, the, there you're right the entire system is fundamentally different when he went to become a head coach at at temple he had to learn that first year what the team was about, what his opponents were about, the league, all that stuff, right? The second year, he kind of got a vision for what he wanted. And the third year, he was able to execute, right? So yeah, I think you year could say, three, your recruits are getting there, the players you want. And then with Baylor, too, they were under right. all of those sanctions and things like that. Plus, competition right. changes yearly in the college football level. You have but players who leave and come in every year. My point is, is that 
that that that same level of understanding is is it, you know can be a, a attributed to what we're seeing in the in in NFL, Maybe. right? Yeah. He could come in here and have learned like basically starting to learn a little bit. Yes, and 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 I know if people talking about COVID with this first year. Yes, everybody dealt with that, but how many first year head coaches had to deal with that, right? How many people who didn't have an established fan like and how many of those people were successful? Not many, mm-hmm. if any. I have a right? I have so, a strange take on that too. But the part that I'll say, and then I'll I'll let you go, or we could do that clip, um, is to say that it's only a coincidence is tough because I think it's not fair to Matt Rule. If he is in his third year and he's able to be successful this year with the Carolina Panthers, he has proven on three different levels, on three different teams, bringing a team back from the brink of destruction back to a, a successful franchise potentially. I think that's not just coincidence. I think you've got to give him a little bit more credit than just saying it's just the things the way that things worked out i think you've got to at least give him some uh praise saying hey listen maybe the third year is a potential you know turning point for him oh i hope so i hope so i just think if it's that if it happens in year three it's not because of the collegiate process that he understood oh no so i hope that maybe it i think it could be the way it happened right it could be matt Uh, rule is what i mean the one other thing about the COVID thing, and then I'm going to pick on one person in the chat room who's sniping at me, and then you can go, Cody, is I, my strange hot take, and I haven't done the research and the analytics to back this up, but I feel like a lot of the younger coaches, uh, uh, Stefanski did real well in the COVID season, and I wonder if kind of the younger coaches were able to manage the distance work environment a little bit more nimbly than like a bill belichick you know it's like and i just kind of think of dave gettleman when he was doing the draft during covid and it was just like what's going on you know it's like how do i open my email like so i wonder how pick pete carroll is is he's like how's this microsoft teams crap work you know and so i wonder if they you know the younger generation of coaches kind of had the technological advantage to be more nimble in that like not as set in their ways when it came to the training camp part and the last thing is this is uh yes Stefanski stuck last year I get it Dante's toe Dante's toe is giving me more problems than Dante's <laughs> toe gives him more problems and uh, gives him problems he said this he said maybe Tony should realize spend time watching just player pressers he realized that rule wasn't the problem bro I've watched every snap every press conference and I'm like for the last 10 years, dude. And I promise you this is I've been very, I think fair and forgiven rule for a long time. And like in last year, I just kind of, yeah, I could see that was all hog. It was just falling apart, but he said, Brady Meyer, Blackburn were not rules chosen coaches. Well then who the hell chose them? And don't tell me that David Tepper hired them because that's some bullshit too. If you say that with confidence, then you have, you're, you're just saying it uh, because you believe it, not mm-hmm. because you have real evidence for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it might be the case, but I promise you this. I do know one thing is that he didn't take the, the, the problem with him and the Jets, Matt Rule, two years earlier before he interviewed with the Carolina Panthers where the Jets would not give him full control of his staff. Mm-hmm. So who the hell did hire these people? Brady, the wonderkin. Look, he came out and said it was a mistake, his mistake, that he kind of got took the advice, maybe took the advice or whatever, Blackburn, okay, he interviewed for the job. Maybe he's a holdover. But, like, who the hell else? You know what I'm saying? Like, you are the coach. You right. can't be like, oh. And and actually, that's the biggest credit I give to Matt Rule is for cleaning house 
and not only just cleaning house to clean house, but really taking a different approach in a different direction in the guys you brought in that really made up for the weaknesses. Go back and watch my tape, bro, about how many times we talked about how inexperienced the coaching staff was. <clears throat> Not that they weren't talented, but inexperienced at the NFL level. Cody, go ahead. I mean, yeah, like I'm – Again, I, I feel weird the fact that I've been the Matt Rule defender on this show tonight. You know, me and CK, I've not been a big fan of this guy. Um, I, I, I do think that I'm seeing some growth from him, and that's what I like to see. I'm not saying that he's won me over. Tony, this will be their best test because he talked about Christian McCaffrey, and this is a debate that we got into fairly recently. Now, upon seeing this clip, this clip that I'm about to play for you, I thought that sounds like an answer that Tony would like because I heard you say something similar on the podcast. Tell me what you think or if you're just going to be my Internet wife and be the contrarian yet again. We're going to do maybe a couple things different in training camp, but I think our training camps with Christian have been right. I mean, I think he's entered the season and been really healthy and productive early. So, you know, but he is a year older. So I think as players get older, we're going to, you know, they get a little bit more, you know, break in time and all Wait those things. It. So we might give them some time here and there. Um, in, in terms of in the season, I think we've you know, said, hey, we're going to try a couple different things uh, to, you know, which, which I'm not going to really talk specifically about now. But at the end of the day, he's a great player. And so uh, great players want to be on the field and they want to affect the game. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not spending my time worrying about, hey, will Christian get hurt? You know, running backs get banged up in this league a lot. When he does get banged up, if he if he does, um, I want to make sure we get him back as fast as possible. So we're trying to have as good a plan for him as we can have. But I also want him to be great and go out and affect the game. And I think Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, where he's at, where he was this spring, where he's at. I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited to see what he could do. So I, I felt like that was a very Tony Dunn answer. He's not talking about putting – kid gloves on Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. He's saying, hey, he's a running back. He affects the game. It's fucking Christian McCaffrey. Let the dude go. I'm not trying to coddle him. Is this a good Matt Rule answer? Yeah. I mean, he's finally not being a wussy about it. Right? Is that this is being scared. It's like playing with scared money with the... And this isn't what he's been doing, but he's kind of gotten... And I would say... And I don't know. I haven't been in his head, but I do feel like that conversation and that's really something that bothered me so much about matt rule last year is it felt like the outside noise was so influential on him uh and it, and really on the entire organization and i'm so i've seen people that are very talented in this world that have been through tough times and they know that that's just part of it and it's not like oh what oh like it's like this kind of trying to counter everything, everything, one thing goes wrong. Well, you know, is that Chris McCaffrey got hurt? It happens. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I don't think that it means he's injury prone. And I felt like, and one of the things, and that's just what I wish Matt Rule would have had a little bit more backbone last year about, hey, things aren't going well right now. I'm not happy about it, but I'm not panicking. It was like, oh, well, we're just going to move this guy over here and move this dude over here. It's like, and there's two examples where I think that we're very telling about the, how the noise got to Matt Rule last year, and that is after the very first game 
with the Jets. We go and beat the Jets, and it was a game that, yeah, you would love to win more decisively. It came down kind of to the end. Zach Wilson kind of makes it, you know, gives your defense a little bit run for the end, but you you won it. And Christian McCaffrey got a bunch of touches in that game. Sam Darnold made some pretty big plays, but Christian McCaffrey ran that clock down, moved that chain, you know what I mean? Like, and then it was like, oh, well, he had 33 touches. Are you worried about his workload? And then the next week, it was like, oh, we're really worried about Christian's workload. So they immediately just took that comment and felt like, oh, well, we got to do something different. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's me reading into one too much. But then it was after the Giants game. I was just like, well, we got to run the ball. We got to run the ball. We got to run the ball. And it was like, yeah, you didn't run the ball in that game, but that doesn't mean that's that's only the reason you lost the game. And I just felt like the noise got to him. And I am happy about this is that I think the noise about Christian McCaffrey is a lot noise. And that, you know, he's like, at, at what point do we stop protecting him and just use the muffler? And you know what? You're only going to have so much time with him. And I like that. He was like, is that like we can't p- pretend like act like this dude's made of glass. So, I, yeah, I like that. I, I like that. And why do you not want to use the like when I go, I like to cook a lot. I use the best knife in my drawer. Yeah. You know, I use the same right. knife to do 90 percent of the cutting I do. Do I have other knives that are pretty decent? Yeah, good knives too, but like that's the best one. <laughs> Use it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't think that we should baby Christian. Uh, right. I, I do. I do think that we need to continue to use him in a way that assures that he's going to be around come November and December, hopefully into January. And you know, I, and I think that there is a balance that you have to strike with that. Um, but yeah, again, this is a big year for Christian. I've said multiple times now, I know I'm a broken record on this podcast, but I've said multiple times that everybody has something to prove. Everyone. There's like, we don't have a Tom Brady on our team, right? We don't have, you know, uh, some player that's just peppers. Yeah. There's no more Julius peppers. There's no more Luke Kikri. There's no more Greg Olson. Everybody has to step up. Mm-hmm. In a big time way this year for everyone from our front office to our coaching staff and definitely to our players, you know, even our ownership, David Tepper needs to step up a little better than he's done. I would say so it's time for everyone to step up. Um, and, and, and yeah, man, I think this is going to be exciting to see what kind of year Christian McCaffrey has. Does he going to, is he going to be the player that uh, Greg, <laughs> told us about just the other week one of the best offensive players potentially ever if he continues on his track or is he going to be another player whose career is haunted by injuries that would never let him be his full self mm-hmm. i tell you you go whack you go back and watch him even in the two years where we where he's gotten hurt is the offense has been so atrocious and he still gets yards <laughs> he makes oh, plays incredible. like right. and you're just like oh well um, and then you'll hear the fantasy nerds come out and be like, well, I mean, you're only going to average 0.48 less a carry if you go what? with this other guy who's drafted in the whatever round. And you put those dudes in, and they're walking backwards, man. They ain't getting oh, jacked. What, right? I, you know what I love is when we would have, like, you would have Mike Davis or you would have, uh, you know, uh, Bonifon or whoever it would be. And they would say, like, they'd come in and they'd do an all right job. And, like, we'd be like, 
oh, maybe this can work. Maybe we do a one-two punch or something like that. And then Christian McCaffrey comes back and he plays like one quarter and we're like, oh my, this is just night and day different. Like, yeah. this is, it's just different, bro. It's absolutely insane to see the, 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 the level, I guess the level of, uh, I guess the elevation that he brings to this team into this offense, it's, it's, it's quite wondrous to watch. The last point about Christian McCaffrey and we'll move on to another cat call is that is that you're right, Cody, is everybody's got something to prove. And this is why I'm like, take the kids gloves off. I don't mean be reckless with him and be like unnecessarily like, dry, you know, is that I'm not saying that, you, but like, it's just go out there and play him like he's a football player that needs to earn his money and his job, just like everybody else and prove to us that he's a star. Because I promise you this is if he doesn't have a good year, right? what are the Panthers are going to be thinking about in the future? Is it time to draft a new running back? Is it time to maybe see what we could get for Christian? Is it time for, you know, is the money going to match? Right. So it's like, not only, I mean, is that maybe, and then you might be cleaning house by that point. I just think this is Christian McCaffrey comes back, has a great year. And it doesn't even have to be a thousand thousand. Like if he could just have like a, like even like 800 rushing yards and then like 800 receiving yards and just play all 16 games and all of that is Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're going to go back and that narrative of Christian McCaffrey being a bust potentially, or a guy that didn't, couldn't be who he was will disappear. Right. So we just need that to move on. And I like that attitude by Matt rules. Like we can't act like we, he's going to get hurt. I mean, it's possible, but like we can, maybe we don't need to think it into existence. So let's go on to the. Hey, Greg had one thing I wanted to okay. say before we moved on. Go ahead, Greg. Well, no, Cody, you were just bringing up a minute ago the the Panthers being a new team and this person's gone and this person's gone and this person's gone. It got me thinking. In 2015, when we went to the Super Bowl, out of the four of us here, if you would have said, "Hey, in 2022, who's the one player from this team that's going to be left?" Would any of y'all Can guess Zach Thompson? No, <laughs> like, probably any of y'all guess not. that. Probably. Well. Nah, probably not. No, there's not. no way. That, I mean, if, if you said one player is going to be left, who's it going to be? Yeah, no way I probably I wouldn't Thompson. have said Shaq Thompson, probably. I yeah. bet you, I know I would not have said that Cam Newton wouldn't be playing football. Yeah. That's, That's the one answer I would have never given you is that Cam Newton would not be playing football at all. Right. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. The other thing is what's kind of wild about that 2015 stat in this team is not only yes there is an attrition of teams but this is an entire attrition like there is nobody other than Shaq mm-hmm. it's kind of wild that no one else has worked out right like even Christian McCaffrey who has been the best player on the team since 2015 right like the best drafted star even we're sitting here wondering if he's going to work out Right. Like it's like DJ Moore, most consistent, Brian Burns, most. And these are young players. It's just surprising. We don't have a guard who's still on the team mm-hmm. or Coney. You know, I'm, Kicker I just wanted, I wanted Coney Ely to be Coney Ely. You know who I see on uh, Instagram a lot now is Frank Alexander. I don't know if you guys remember him. Frank Alexander yeah. was going to be a boss, bro. And then he just smoked weed and got in trouble. So like when we kick people out of the league for smoking weed, but now Deshaun Watson just gets to you know what over everybody and he's fine and now everyone's well, allowed to smoke weed pretty much I know. yeah no but nobody cares anymore the number's 252-228-5098 let's go to the next call 
Yo, guys. It's Nick. It's been a oh, minute. Nick. You know, been on the Friday for you, my balls. Hey. You know, and I uh, haven't felt the need to call you guys in, call into you guys for the last little while. But, uh, you know, I was listening to the Matt Rule press conference yesterday, and Matt Rule brought up our defense and how we've been terrible in the red zone, which is true. Okay. And I forget what else he had brought up, but he missed the most important thing that he, all of us have been saying for the last year. We can't stop the fucking run. So, and that was a big problem last year, especially starting off in that Dallas game. You know, so surprised he never brought that up. And at the same time, let's hope and pray that we actually practice red zone this year because her red zone offense was atrocious. All right, guys. Love the show. Greg, you did a great job, man. Okay, all those little snippets and everything like that that you made for the show, man, I have to uh, tip my hat to you, man. Those came out awesome. All right, guys. Keep on. Yeah. Hey, he brings up a good point about the the never not being able to stop the run. But do you guys remember there was a time where Carolina had like the longest streak ever of like not allowing a hundred yard rusher, and then we allowed a hundred yard rusher, and it seems like that was like opening up the floodgates, and we just <laughs> almost allowed a hundred yeah. yard rusher every game since then. It feels like it's it, so weird. I think you're right. That's a great point. I wonder if that was like it might have been 2018. <clears throat> that was in the Dan Brook. Like. The yes, and it was just so. And that that was even there was a point where you were sitting there thinking Luke Keekley isn't good, not good, but you know what I'm saying. Like there was a moment where we said, "Oh God, it looks like Keekley's even." I remember regressed. being CK going back and forth about whether or not Luke Keekley had lost a step or not, and it was like and a we, big point of debate. Like we didn't want to say it. It felt, you know, and you're like, is it because they're getting to the, is it guys around him? You knew he was still the best guy on the team. Mm. That's what I'm saying. It's like you still knew he was the best defensive player you had ever really seen on this team in a way other than Julius Peppers. But you knew that wasn't the best Luke you had ever seen mm-hmm. at that moment. And I think Luke undersaw it. You know what I mean? Clearly he did. I mean, there were some different reasons. Uh, even though him with like one leg is better than any linebacker we got on our team right now. The numbers two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Hey guys, Calvin VA. Haven't called in in a while. Uh okay. been every every episode though. Um love all the new stuff y'all are doing. Thank you. Um I don't know why the Panthers haven't just signed y'all to a contract already to have y'all right. talk you, about man. them. Clean up the show a little bit, but anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I see everyone freaking out about you know Julio and respectively one of the greatest receivers probably of all time. But Julio is not Julio anymore, and anyone who wants to debate me on that can, and I will prove that easily. That's easy. So, like I said on Twitter, you could put JC on uh, Julio, or you could put JC on Mike Evans, and put Chen on the other one. It don't matter. And Dante's got the speed to uh, to lock up Godwin. It's just a matter of fact, you know, Dante, he's had his issues in the past, but with the talent we had in our secondary, there's no reason, no reason at all we shouldn't match up well against the Bucks. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm optimistic. You know, it's early. We're going into training camp. I'm really optimistic, but 
I'm not worried about defense other than linebacking core. Like everything else, I think is going to be just fine. Um, hmm. I haven't called in on Baker Mayfield. I was against it at first. So I wanted Matt Corral to take some snaps because we all know Sam just is going to get benched at probably week four or five. Um, but I think Baker can 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 do enough to get us to the playoffs if we play well. That's a stretch. I know y'all all probably talking shit right now, but nah, with the, the revamped offensive line we have with DJ, maybe hopefully Robbie can do something this year instead of just, you know, doing the Robbie antics. I think we got a good team, man. Christian stays healthy. Praying to the football gods for that. See this man healthy once again. That would be that would be lovely. But I think we got a pretty strong team this year. Well, early season optimistic, but it's better than what we've had in a while. And I think this defense can get humming, and we can really turn on some wins. But uh, anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll be tuning into the show tonight. I'll keep pounding. Appreciate yeah, you, uh, inc- incredible call, man. First, we thank you for the support. This was the video I was talking about, and somebody told me I was wrong. I said Phil Hoskins, and it's or whoever is beside him. Yeah, you've been calling Davion Nixon big snacks, and, that's and it's Phil, Phil Hoskins. Hoskins. Okay. Which one? Well, yeah, is this that is one? uh YGM in the white shirt. Uh on the left, Davion Nixon just looking like a beast, man, in the blue tank top. Uh I just feel man. like uh, YGM looks so thick, like big, like athletic. He doesn't look like he's fat. You know what I'm saying? Usually I see D tackles yeah. look heavy. This guy is everything. Look, his legs are bigger. His Dude, arms how are bigger. Awesome like, would it be? Dude. If these two men just took the NFL by storm this year, like, do we have to dream about that kind of shit, man? Like, I remember being very high on YGM coming out of yeah. Penn State, but I didn't like his coaches at Penn State, and I didn't feel like he's been given a ton. I mean, not a ton of opportunity. He's had some good opportunities, but this year is the golden opportunity for him and that man next to him to step up in a big way, man. Um, you know, maybe they might look at YGM and decide, hey, you know what? We might not need Dunlap. YGM is looking good enough that maybe he's the guy and we don't need to sign anyone else. It'll be interesting to see, man. I hope so. Sure. You trust your evaluations with these players, right? That's the one thing is that, like, is uh, because we – all this, but this is his second year, you know? YGM had a rookie year where he made some impact, but also struggled, had some injuries and some different things. Defensive tackles, I mean, defensive ends, usually it's year three they pop off. So I'm, even if he doesn't just break out this year, I'm not believing that it's over, right? We want to see him yeah. optimistically just step forward and be a more productive, more reliable player. But you're right. I mean, wouldn't it be great? if he exploded onto the scene, right? I think that, you know, so these timelines and go back and then the last, uh, going back to the call, Baker Mayfield definitely can take us like with a better team is puts us in a better situation. Oh, I want to talk about the Julio thing briefly. Um, Oh yeah. Let's do that. My question is, is like, um, I don't know. I don't 
think that Julio alone is a scary thing, right? It's like it's certainly not Julio of of old, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that torched us for three hundred yards, but he's always dealt with injury. So I don't even want to hear. I don't even know if like just saying, well, he hasn't been available a lot. To, he hasn't been available a lot half the time. He'll he won't ever practice, and he'll go put up one hundred and forty yards on you. Mm-hmm. But it's not no just Julio. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. No touchdowns. <laughs> uh, you're right. Is but it, it's not Julio alone. It's more just this. Is like it's Mike Evans. He's not. He's like the third receiver on that team. Right. The third best. He's not brought in there. If he works out, he works out. It's kind of like another Antonio Brown type signing, or maybe not as. And that, that was okay. Cam Newton's draft too. Julio. Oh, that's right. And uh, I just want to put this out. As a guy that was drafted the same year, another one drafted the same year, last year, A.J. Green, mm-hmm. who has had even more, who's had a more devastating um, injuries uh, recently, still put up 848 yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, if he comes in there and puts up 700 yards and three touchdowns and it's a third receiver, I'm just saying is this is the Bucks know what's up. They got to try to get some bling now. And they needed another we- or they wanted another weapon now that Gronk's not going to be there. Um, and it's not one of these guys that's the problem. It's just dealing with all three who the goat is slinging it to them. And let's just say Tom Brady has known how to get the most out of a guy's career that you thought was over. Agreed. We've seen it with multiple players. And I wouldn't be surprised if Julio's one of them. Yeah. I just want to know, though, with Julio, you did mention the fact that he's been injured. And I've had Julio on my fantasy league. I don't know how many times because, you know, I hate the Falcons, but he is a great receiver. He's a, just a no-touchdown guy. He'll get yeah, three he's a year. DJ Moore. But why do we look at players like Julio and Gronk and Odell and Zeke, all these injury-prone players, as like steer, still be afraid of them and they're great players to have, but we don't do that with Christian McCaffrey? All those guys that his name has missed just as much time as Christian McCaffrey, and Christian McCaffrey has played on the level of, if not better than those players at his position. But when Christian McCaffrey gets injured, people question his durability. But Gronk, Julio, Odell, Zeke, nobody questions that about them. I just don't understand why. I think the names you threw in there are a mixture of different reasons, right? So I think there are some that you could that lend to your point. I think others like probably are different criticisms about them, you know, yeah. other than just that injury and this and that. Um, interesting. But Gronk interesting, you know, is and and one is this, is Christian McCaffrey was drafted in 2017 or 18 or whatever yeah, it was. And Julio sure. was drafted the same year Cam Newton was. Yeah. So is and, sure. and so maybe like when you get more towards the Odell, uh, different things, but um, all right, let's go on with the next call. The number's two. Wait, hold on. I, I want to add one more thing to that. Who do we put on who in that matchup? Because let me tell you what. If I have my money on, if it's between Julio Jones and J.C. Horn, oh, I got the young dog all day, baby. I got J.C. Horn. Yeah, but wouldn't you but, be more interested in matching J.C. Horn up against either Mike Evans or Godwin? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that, if anything... Is that Mike? When was Mike Evans drafted? Mike Evans is it was, uh, 2014. See, so like, is that, and then it's like kind of the, well, Godwin's still always dealing with injury. 
I think Mike Evans still the best receiver on their team. Yeah, he's probably the most you know dependable, reliable receiver that they have. But I'm just thinking, like, man, uh, okay, uh, you're probably putting J.C. Horn on Mike Evans. Are you putting C.J. Henderson on Godwin? Are we You're putting... probably going to put Dante on Godwin, I would think, is just because I think I need to see how fast he is. And, like, that's another thing, yeah, too. How tall one of the he things, is. One of the things I've been going back and forth with people on Twitter is about Dante Jackson. And where does he play on in this defense this year? Uh, are, are they going to have him on the outside? Or are they going to do something that we've been calling for for a long time? Give him some more reps at that nickel corner position. Now, if they do that, I could very easily see them motioning Julio into the slot to try and potentially give him a matchup advantage against Dante Jackson. That might be a little tough. But I don't know. You're right. They might also decide to put Dante on the outside and maybe either C.J. Henderson at nickel or maybe even a Keith Taylor we might see. Yeah, Keith Taylor or maybe you're you're saying this is Jeremy Chin. You can go and handle um, Julio these days. You know, you couldn't handle Julio five years ago. But maybe this Julio you could. I will tell you that you're probably playing a ton of zone defense. (laughs) and to be honest you're not putting anybody on anybody in a man-on situation with tom brady because man on man tom brady is just going to find whichever one you make the mistake with you know and so you have to be perfect in man defense against tom brady i would think and with a zone defense it's just like ben don't break mentality and hopefully you can get after him uh quickly maybe i'm wrong i'm also not the um you know the x and o guy let's go to the next call 252-228-5098 hey guys listen this ain't about the panthers but i gotta say it friday night on free for all i told everybody i thought kyle murray was lazy Mm. me drew and uh, said they was lazy now well, I said he was like, anyway. <laughs> uh, and I was right. Because you don't put in a contract he has to study on an iPad four hours a day in order not to violate his new contract. You don't put that when you give the guy $46.2 million a season. But they did. Kyle Murray... Man up, dude. Um, do you think that is? I mean, I mean, obviously, we haven't heard of those clauses. I wonder if those are going to be um, more common and prevalent in the future. What do you think it really tells us about Kyler Murray? Is another question. Um, you know, and this is the thing is with players that have always excelled because of their phys- the, like their natural gifts. It's just like someone who's very good at school, you know, is that someone who uh, is naturally intelligent when it comes to school subjects or something, maybe it's reading or attention, whatever it may be, where you have a skill set that lends that to you and makes it easier. One of the problems is, is that you don't learn how to study. 
right you know it's like uh and so i it, like for a long time in my life i wasn't maybe challenged as much or if it just came easier my sister took a little bit longer to develop right so she wasn't as much of a natural <laughs> reader or something like but she developed such great study habits so when then she got to the real test like she was experiencing that and then when i got to the fire you know what i'm saying i was like oh shit i have to learn how to study that's the thing and so i wonder if kyler murray is kind of victim of what some of the greatest athletes are and that is they never had to be the technician because they were always faster strong you know i mean kind of the cam newton potential right. flaw which is is like man mechanics aren't most we always talked about his feet and this and that well it was never a problem because he could throw it off his back foot 80 yards or whatever um against inferior competition so i wonder if that is is it going forward or if we see more clauses or maybe they're just right. Maybe that is telling. I how did you prove is, it? How did you prove someone? How did you prove that a person has studies four, hours? four extra hours? They have they got to log playbook. in and do exercises yeah. and they monitor your behavior on that, uh, like a legit college student. <laughs> no, they do that no, in the like, NFL a, anyway. like a worker. They do that in the NFL anyway. They do monitor how much time you spend watching film on your tablet. They know those things. Those are, those are things that are absolutely already a part of the game, a part of the way that they are. And honestly, like from what I'm hearing, this is so like out of the normal way of doing things for a contract. Like this is this has got a lot of people honestly a bit concerned. And it's really funny because I was watching Pat McAfee, and apparently, the exact week that Call of Duty came out last year is the exact week that Kyler Murray started to go downhill and act like he didn't know anything about his <laughs> opponents when he was playing. That's awesome. It's it's almost it's almost hysterical to see the correlation because it is it is a, yeah. a visible change that happened to him in the in the year. He's got like burner Xbox accounts and shit like that. So people Bro, don't know it's not him Kyler. With. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not Kyler. Yeah. Myler I, a, Curry. I mean they do monitor. I have a friend who works in IT and he's one of he's a he will uh, like if he doesn't want he wants to take a nap or something. He opens the notepad on his computer and then sets a glass on his keyboard and it just like writes letters for the next eight, <laughs> four hours or whatever that he's asleep. So it looks like his computer is active oh, and they're God. watching him anyway. Two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. What is up, P three? This was it's part Anthony. One of the you already know, calling in every week. And training camp just started. You're getting that Panthers feel again. Football is right around the corner. And, man, I don't know what it is, but maybe maybe it's just because I'm a Baker fan, but I am so hyped for this season. Um, I really think everyone's back is against the wall, and this is exactly what we need to wake up and realize, oh, shit, we got to go win some games this year. There's a lot of competitions that's going to go around. Um, starting, obviously, at quarterback, you know, offensive line. Let's just hope Matt Rule figures out – or James Campton figures out the best 5 alignment and we're not putting shitters out there. Defensive, defense, hopefully we can sign Carlos Dunlap to give us two solid – one solid edge rusher aside from superstar Brian Burns. Uh, I think that's just our one weakness right now. We'll see how this all plays out. Um, just wanted to talk about the quarterbacks for a second. 
you know, I may be in my own boat with the Baker situation, but I want y'all to answer this question. Did we bring in Baker just because he needs to save Matt Rule's job? Or did we bring in Baker because Corral and Sam haven't shown, haven't impressed beforehand? And I, I think it's actually a mix of both. And I can tell you why right now. If Matt Rule's job wasn't on the line, he should have just rolled with Corral this year and seen what he's got. Now, we're in a situation where if Baker does good with a I, I'm telling you guys, if we get a winning record, Baker's getting re-signed. Just based on our culture, the last four years, he's been nothing but a clown show. That's my fear. What I'm trying to say is, if Corral was as good as y'all make him out to be, just like Russell Wilson, they would have just done a Sam Darnold versus Corral battle, just like Russell Wilson versus Matt Flynn. And guess what? Russell Wilson beat out Matt Flynn. So what I'm trying to get to is, don't be mad if Baker's the quarterback going into the future because maybe Matt Corral just isn't as good as people think. And I know he has upside, but it would be nice to see him play. It would be crazy if Corral wins the QB competition because then it's like, all right, we have our franchise dues. But, yeah, that's my opinion. Keep pounding. Hit the subscribe. Hit the like button. The best Panthers podcast on the nation. Keep Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. So I have to respond to this because, Anthony, I don't know if you're still listening, uh, but that's just flawed logic. There is no way the Carolina Panthers have seen enough of Matt Corral to know what they do or don't have in him. And by the way, Scott Fitterer in his press conference today was talking, or Matt Rule rather, was talking about the two quarterbacks that were ahead of Russell Wilson when he was drafted. And then he ended up winning his job. So I'm telling you, there is no scenario at all where the coaching staff looked at Matt Corral as a player and said, nah, we don't believe in him. We just don't think he can do all the things that uh, Baker Mayfield can. And even if they believe that for this season, I guarantee you there is no length of time that has passed that lets them think, oh, no, Matt Corral is not it. He hasn't played a football game yet. He's seen no live action. They don't know what they have in Matt Corral until they let him play. Now, maybe Baker Mayfield is the guy and they resign him to another contract. I don't know. I think it would take a lot like, to really have us feel comfortable with the second contract. I think the franchise tag is more likely of the two scenarios. But I don't know, man. I no no quarterback on this roster excites me even a fifth as much as Matt Corral. From the arm talent, the mobility, the the going through his progressions, I'm all aboard Matt Corral. I agree with you on that part right there, Cody, that they haven't seen enough of him to decide if he's a bust or not. And if you feel like at this point already that he is, and that's a wasted draft pick already. Because I, I just don't feel that way. Unfortunately, I do feel that Matt Corral may never get that chance to prove in Carolina that he's that guy. I agree. I mean, I, agree. I, I, I fear he's going to – and, and that's, that. just, that's just the way it shakes out sometimes. I really hate that. Now, if that happens – that means that Baker Mayfield is, is a successful quarterback, which I'm okay with. It sucks we didn't see what we could have gotten out of Corral, 
But if we have success in Baker Mayfield, I'm okay, and I would like to see him be successful somewhere else. I, I just don't think we're ever going to get a chance to see him on that level without injury. I think that Matt Corral needs Baker Mayfield to be successful if we want to see Matt Corral potentially successful in Carolina. There you go. And I know that their fear is, is like, oh, we won't ever get to see Matt Corral because of Baker if he had like crazy success. But I believe, I promise you, man, is that if Matt Rule gets fired and we, I mean, people have even said that, like, not everybody is even just saying that Scott Fitterer would be completely safe. Like, there is a world where some people have content, like, is that we don't know what would happen if we got a four and whatever season and, Te- and Tepper just loses his mind or some shit like that. I think that would be harder for Matt Corral to pierce through to success in a Carolina Panthers jersey than it would be if maybe we even franchised Baker for another year, maybe signed him to a shorter deal. I really think, though, this is why I wrote the article on CarolinaCatChronicles.com that the Panthers would be wise in releasing Sam Darnold. Is that like because then let's make this let's make this a real competition between two that we believe could be rather than this three who one of them we don't believe who's going to get in the way of the kid and take his snap. So, I mean, I really think that they that's why I was kind of not advocating for the Baker trade because I was just hoping it would shake out like it was going to shake out in real competition. But that. I just feel like it's going to be so weird. What happens this is that, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, so we'll just leave it here on that. Is like, it's like, what happens if Baker gets hurt and then Sam Darnold comes in? Like, wouldn't it be cool if we were doing really well, Baker got hurt for a couple of games and then Corral came in and did really well? And actually, I would go here and argue is probably even if we don't even go down that far, it's the preseason that the that the problem with the three with the multiple quarterbacks is because now you got to give reps to ba- May- Baker, then you're going to give reps to Darnold, and then it's finally we're getting a Corral at the end with all of the scrubs. It would just be better if you just let Matt Corral play the entire preseason. And uh, that's what I got to say on that. All right, um, next call. Hey y'all, you know who this is? It's the foam that brings them home. Like chocolate espresso. I gotta say something. Yo, I'm most likely 95% going to fan sets. I know Cody's going, OCK's going. I know Tony is taking his family and not wanting to take his bastard child with him. You know, but you know, that's cool. I'm not taking my real car. I don't know if the bad daddy's coming. (laughs) It is cool. I'll be there. I want to know when we meet up. First things first is we're taking Cody to a strip club. And I want a stripper to sit in his lap and his chair. And I want to watch him drive around with a stripper. I just want to see it. That's the only thing I really want to see is fan set. I mean, I'm down. I don't give a fuck about the Matt Rule or the band or the fireworks. No. I want to go to Charlotte because I want to see a stripper sit on Cody's lap while he drives around in his wheelchair. That's what I want to see. I'm down. You know, I don't care about who you quarterback battles. I don't give a shit. Stripper on Cody. Which stripper? The real battle is which stripper? <laughs> would, would, you, I mean, would you accept 
if we just had a stripper sit in the in a, like a in a grocery cart holding onto his hair like he's a a horse and she's in a carriage and just like pulling her <laughs> dude <laughs> i mean uh, hey look uh I, i'm down if if kevin's willing to pay to take me to a strip club and get a stripper to take some pictures of her sitting on my lap hey she can sit in my lap and we'll see what pops up i think what what, what we need is a 2015-esque run where we went 15 and oh and Baker Mayfield make Baker Mayfield takes us undefeated all year long at some point. I wonder what the number. What number does it have to be, Cody? If we're six and zero, oh, is it six and zero oh that you're all of a sudden a Baker bottom with us? When do you become uh, a Baker bottom? Undefeated, like if it's seven. I mean, it's, if we're undefeated, and the reason I'm saying this is because once that we get to that, if we got to that number. It used to be, I'm pretty sure probably still the case. You could go to the strip club uh, in Charlotte and get in for free if you had your ticket stub. So we could just like for every win after a certain number, you got to go like it's going to if it were. What if if this happens and then we start out undefeated? It's like we got to keep it up. So I have to go to a strip club for every game they win. Yep. After yeah, like after point? like after we're yeah, if we're six and oh, if we're five and oh, I think we gotta start that. I don't know At what at some the point it's is. just gonna start to become work for him though. Well <laughs> you, you gotta you know do what? it all you gotta right, do it all work. off season if we end six and nine. You know what Bill Belichick said, do your job. And do that will be job, Cody's dude. job. Listen, if that is a part of my job description, I'll do it, dude. If I have to have <laughs> Take a look this my shit. We should do Whatever, weekly I'll donos, and he, we have to watch him like give away in singles. Like, <laughs> oh, that would be. You yeah. are promoting, I mean, sir. Is what you're doing? You're promoting. Yeah, yeah. You know? we're gonna yeah, write yeah, it yeah. off as a business expense, right? Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> That's my thought. All right, next call. What up, C three? The issue. Uh, I'm gonna start the conversation off with Shaq. Is is plenty of other stories to talk about? With training camp and battles position wise. But I just got to start off with Shaq. I just, I never had hate towards Shaq. He's always been in the shadow and couldn't come to light with um, TD and Luke retiring. Uh, I, I, I just don't have love for Shaq anymore. Um, it just took too long to blossom, and he's yet to do it. Um, he hasn't been consistently injury-prone, but he's he's getting there, and he hasn't took that step as far as making it to the Pro Bowl. But um, I guess when and why didn't we get rid of Shaq? When um, should we move on from him and take a linebacker? that can handle being a captain. You know, Shaq is a kind of a conundrum for us is that he's one of those players that were probably, especially for me, and I'll just be honest, is that I'm harder on him than needed to be, than I need to be. Uh, And it's really because I made the mistake of set my expectations so high for him 
you know, he's one of the few players that I bought their jersey before I even saw him play a snap as a Carolina Panther. I've only done that a couple of times, one of those being uh, Cam Newton. You know, it's like before they even played a single snap in a Panthers jersey, it's like, I'm on this I'm on this train right here, this bandwagon. Ride or die, I, you know. Yeah, and I thought that Shaq was going to be, he was so billed as – such a dynamic kind of like that Isaiah. He was the Isaiah Simmons pitch player before Isaiah Simmons existed. This guy who was going to be this crazy multi-tool where the problem is trying to, you know, and he had trouble squeezing into the lineup because Thomas Davis had a late career renaissance. I don't know if it's all been his fault, you know, but then, and now, now he's doing he's kind of doing a Thomas Davis in a way, and that is is the latter years of his the twilight years of his career are the best years of his career. And so hopefully Shaq can continue with that trajectory uh and win me back over. Next call. Uh thoughts on trading for DK Metcalf? No. Uh good night. Ooh. Uh, we Not do. I want to bring this up before we even talk about that trade. Is as we've talked about position battles, we saw the pictures all night long or all day long of people arriving. Some of the things that were on my mind were the people we did not see, and I'm not saying that they weren't there. I haven't done enough research to see, but like, why isn't why you know we didn't get a bunch of pictures of Robbie Anderson? Why is you know all of a sudden where they usher him in the back door? The other guy, the fake cat killer, is he there? The Damian Wilson guy. Um, I'm trying I know to he fascinates you so much. You want to know so much more about him. I love him, dude. I love him. I'm rooting <laughs> for him, man. I was like, we need to have, we need him when we play the Bengals. We got to kill those cats. As long as he don't kill our cat. <laughs> we need to really kill the cats, not fake kill a cat. But, um, you know, sometimes the story isn't what people are talking about, but what they're not talking about, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And really, I didn't see anything about Robbie Anderson coming out today. You know, it's like I didn't see that. Um, I didn't see any big touting of the linebackers. Trying to think of any. And you know what? I didn't see any DBs other than Jeremy Chin. Uh, I Um, saw uh, Dante Jackson. He's in the thumbnail. Oh, yeah, he is. You're right. You're right. I also uh, saw um, – I did right. see uh, J.C. Horn uh, in one of their yeah. videos about the dorm. Uh, Dante was there as well in that one. Um, I don't know who that other kid was. Was that Barno or somebody? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not entirely – a lot of the guys I don't – like a lot of the lower on the depth not guys. Not recognize you. I can't recognize your face or anything. Um, I'll say this, like D.K. Metcalf. You're gonna have to pay that guy soon, right? Like he just was. And he's gonna you know, cost that was, more than I. Yeah, think that was I'd the big conversation around him. I love him as a receiver. Like I love the I idea of him, him. He's being, pretty good. Yeah, he's like a uh, like a a light Megatron. You know, he's not quite the player of a Megatron, but he's built in the same vein. You can do a lot of the same things with him. That you could have done with the Megatron. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think at this point it would be a little too resource rich. But for us, is that the addition we need the most, though? You know, that would be more my question is not about DK Metcalf as a player. It's this is wide receiver group our weakest position. Is that where we need to be bolstering? And if anything, like I'm kind of hoping Terrace Marshall Jr. is going to step into 
a role of that big body receiver that does those types of things. So if the question is we need a big body receiver who's more of an end zone threat, then certainly DK Metcalf could be part of that. But don't you think that maybe addition on the defensive line or in the linebacker room yeah. would be a more valuable addition yeah. than a wide receiver? If if you could unload Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson for DJ Metcalf and get rid of those two salaries, wouldn't you be able to afford to pay DJ Metcalf? Well, yeah, but then that's going to be bigger and you can than unlo- both of them. I mean, I don't know. What's what's both of theirs together? The both of theirs together is what thirty two million and fifteen twenty eight. It's a 18 lot. And fi- eighteen and fifteen pay- is thirty three. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like up up there. I mean, that's that's, that's actually a, lot of salary. a decent. That's a decent kind of pop proposition, but it just doesn't seem like the Seahawks are interested in the quarterback. No. Or I mean, they would have gone after Baker. Right now. They would have gone after Baker. It would have been a better deal for them to go after Baker yep. than it would to go after Sam Darnold. Uh, they only have uh, Lock, uh, Drew Lock, and the old man. Geno Smith, right? Geno Smith. Yeah. All right. Uh, last call of the night. Hey, guys. Growl that makes him howl, aka Joey the Blind Panther. And I wanted to ask y'all a question. No one's been talking about old Walker Wonder. What do you think is going to happen to him? Do you think he's going to get cut like during training camp if he's not cut already? You think he's going to get cut during preseason? Honestly, I think either him or Darnold is going to get cut during preseason. Uh, because, you know, Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. Right. We, we, we know what, we know he, he, he kicks ass during training camp and practice when it doesn't matter, but he sucks ass during games when it does matter. So, uh, there's no telling what they're going to think about him. Cause he's probably going to fool everyone. Anyway, guys. Oh, and make sure you, uh, play my call from last week. I went into a lot of stuff about David Tepper that I really want you guys to hear. Anyway, guys. Love it. Um, Speechless. I mean, like, here is this, is that I keep hearing people say put uh, PJ on... Uh, the practice squad, some things like that. and uh, But, like, I think he's probably hitting that point in his career where he's played enough games and had enough seasons where he's not eligible for the practice squad. There's at some Ooh, point. Yeah. Um, I guess the, for me is that uh, I think you're going to end up – there's a chance that I believe that P.J. Walker is going to be cut um, probably after the yeah. final preseason game because you're going to mm-hmm. – want that body there for that time. Him and Matt Corral probably do most of it. There might be a world where him and Sam Darnold are cut together, but I really think that they're leaning towards Baker, Darnold, and Corral being three quarterbacks on the roster this year and just having to deal with it. There's no real financial benefit to cutting Sam Darnold. The only thing would be just making the clear distinction of Mayfield and the pathway for Corral if in case – Mayfield gets hurt, but I think they're going to probably be a little too fearful if Mayfield has to go down for a game or something that maybe they're not ready to put it in Corral's hands and they don't want to lose the season out, so they're going to keep Darnold around. Um, I don't know. It says, new NFL role, Dante's Toast says, four veterans allowed on the practice squad. 
so I guess there's no limits anymore when you say veterans, because there was a point where it was just like once you played a certain amount of games. So I mean, they may have adjusted. Yeah, they may have. But here's the thing is uh, if you're on the practice squad, who really cares? You know what I'm saying? Anybody can poach you at any time. That's basically as close to getting cut. I mean, it's like getting cut. Mm-hmm. That causes me to ask you a question. Is Ted Ginn retired now? Yes. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if he had officially done it or not. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the call, Joey. Hey, guys. It's the growl that makes him howl, a.k.a. Joey the Blind Panther. Awesome intro, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Sir. something that I've been thinking about when it comes to Baker Mayfield and Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, when he was head coach of the Giants, benched Eli Manning. This is not it. We played this one last week. Straight up benched him. Sorry, I don't know. I'm going to have to find it, man. I'm sorry. We're going to have to play it. I'll play it next week, uh, Joey. We'll find it. Tell me the – I think it was a Saturday call. Um. Okay. Uh. What are your thoughts, guys? Any other final points? I mean, we got to do our ISO picks and some different things. This training camp starts tomorrow. Uh, really, like you said, Cody, I think you've said it great uh, along for a long time, is that everybody's got something to prove. Um, yeah. Not only in Tomor- this training camp, in this preseason and this season. Tomorrow is going to be interesting. We're finally going to start to see some uh, – get some news about action from the Reps. practice field. Yeah, reps. That'll be fun. Uh, we're going to try and do a beat check tomorrow night. We've got to get someone to confirm to do it with us first. Yeah, I tried um, getting Tim Jenkins. He's moving right now. Ooh, I got one other. Yeah, name. we're going to continue to try and get some people. And maybe even if we just do, even if we don't, uh, even if we don't have a guest, maybe we can stop by and do like 30 minutes or something and just talk about just the go day over the, yeah. uh, the highlights. Yeah, the yeah for sure. I'm down for that. I'm 100%. And guys, I'm just happy, man. Like, Panthers football is back. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the type of thing that makes you go to therapy, right? All year, last year, we were having a real bad time with the Carolina Panthers. And then we get an offseason away from them. And, dude, we're missing them again, man. We're some glutton for punishment. Mm-hmm. We want back in this thing. But like Greg said earlier, I think that we have many, many reasons to be hopeful that this is going to be a much improved football team this year, regardless of whatever you think about Matt Rule or right. you know Baker Mayfield or whatever. I feel there's enough pieces on our team, on the coaching staff, that the Carolina Panthers – should take a reasonable jump forward. So I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. I'm happy, excited. I'm ready that football is almost here, boys. Almost here. Incredible. I want to plug this. is uh, Send me a message on Twitter, uh, at cat underscore chronicles in my DM me, or you can email me at carolinacatchronicles at gmail.com. Or you could even message at dyleehan. So it's D-Y-L-E-E-H-A-N. Um, and he wants to start, one of the listeners of our show wants to start a fantasy, uh, a fan fantasy, a C3 fantasy football league. Mm-hmm. I've told him that I'll secure two spots for C3, like for our panel. So I'm going to pay for two of two entries for us. I'll pay sure for that, me. He already talked to me. Yeah. I'm in it. Yeah. Okay. So. 
Um, and then, um, and he wants to get 12 to 14 players. So it would be a deep league, which I like a deep league. It makes it, I mean, I know yeah. the other ones are high scoring and fun, but it will be difficult, but it's fun. Uh, we haven't decided on a buy-in yet. It's kind of going to be a collective deci- decision made by the people who are interested. He said between 25 and $50 um, and it's a half point PPR league. Mm-hmm. But this is, uh, you know, a way if you're interested in joining a, uh, a league of C3 fans and part of the C3 family. We have the C3 fantasy football challenge we've done in the past. We've been waiting for COVID to kind of sh- shovel out and some different things. We'll probably bring that back in the future, but this will be a great thing to do. It'd be a good time for us to have. So if you guys are interested, message me um, on Twitter, or you can hit me up uh, at Gmail, Carolina cat chronicles at gmail.com. I'll pass the info along. Um, that's it, really. I mean, like I said, camp tomorrow. Yeah, we'll get back. We got to get back and look over the early, you know, what happened. We'll do, we'll do a short show tomorrow night as well. It's going to be kind of this is the time. We're going to do a lot of content over the next few weeks and yeah. really over the next six months going forward. So be ready. Um, yeah, and somebody said, I can't believe y'all are still live. Respect not only on that. Wait until we actually have a fucking game to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Dude. This oh, yeah. season, oh, y'all man. are going to be in for some long Tuesday nights. <laughs> we got some uh, changes in our format coming in the future in the post game. So be looking forward to some of those things. We got some cool stuff rolling out. Cody, um, let's finish up the show with the longest running uh, segment on the C3 Panthers podcast. Not only were the longest running Panthers podcast, we're literally the longest Panthers podcast each time we go live. Oh, yeah. And then and finally, most consistent. Yes. And then the last, we got the longest running segment of any podcast, the mm-hmm. ice up segment where we tell some fools to ice up, toughen up to get it together. Ice up, son. Ice up. That's right. It's time for us to ice up some fools. It's our homage to Steve Smith where we tell someone ice up, toughen up to get it together. Everyone is fair game from 12-year-old kids in Oklahoma to the president of the United States. No one's iced up the Pope just yet, I don't think. so. That's a, And no one's iced up God yet. Mm. I'm not walking into those waters. I'll let somebody else walk into those waters. But mine is definitely in that arena tonight. My ice up pick, I know. Dangerous. Anytime you start talking about... I'm ice. All right, so I'm gonna ice up. It's kind of hard to explain exactly like how I want to conduct this ice up pick. Mm-hmm. Tony's like Catholic, I'm, by the way, so don't get too mad. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, actually, I'll say this is that I'm I, I'm icing up people who make up uh, like terminology, kind of. This guy Bishop Whitehead, who is. Um, Hold on, let me get all of his big white <laughs> bishop whitehead. Um, it's just this is like I think we need to call him a pastor, Esther Whitehead. Uh, because hold on, like where is his dang? Uh, I should have had this pulled up. So this guy, he is. Um, his name is Bishop Whitehead, and he runs a church in New York, and it's called. Leadership of Tomorrow International Ministries. Uh, he calls himself Chief Apostle and 
bishop. I would just say this is like to be a bishop, you have to oversee like a organization of ministers and priests. So I just feel like the casual use of bishop here is incorrect. But the reason this guy is on my radar is because this story comes up and you can go and watch this. This guy, his church, he and his church were robbed on the during their service. Four armed gunmen come into their church this past week and robbed them. And differing accounts, um, I've, I've read $400,000 worth of jewelry to a million dollars worth of stuff was stolen. The guy lays down. He's like, everybody get down. He goes, they were coming for me. He keeps saying they were coming for me. They were coming for me. And then he talks about how he tried to chase him out and chase him, but he forgot his keys. But the real problem about this, or it's not even a problem. I don't even really care about this guy. Nicen up the fake terminology of Bishop here is that he negotiated a, uh, um, like he was like called out to be one of these like uh, so somebody was like an armed hostage situation and he came out there and tried to like settle it down. He was like the political guy, the activist in his community between the police, like this li- liaison. But he was wearing uh, a twenty five hundred dollar Versace um, jacket and belt when he did this. So Bishop Whitehead, Mister named himself a bishop business is good bro they got robbed for a million dollars worth of jewelry you know what i bet you he is super christian i bet you he's awesome everything sounds really shady about this whole story and i'm not the only person said it but what is it they call it the success gospel what is it where you get the it's what joel olstein prosperity gospel prosperity yeah prosperity gospel living well with uh Leaders of ministries tomorrow, Bishop Whitehead, or I would just say Chief Apostle, or how about Pastor Whitehead, Versace Whitehead? Man, dude got popped. Mm. Ice up. <laughs> Ice up. Uh, so I'll, I'll go first, just because, or second, because mine's short. There's like a trend of people doing workout exercises with a bunch of extra workout equipment. And using them in the ways that you're not supposed to be using them. So basically, when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And uh, that's basically uh, what my eyes up pick is tonight. You can all tell already that this is probably going to go swimming. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the whole thing, the whole thing, just not even as bad as it could have been. Yeah, it could have yeah, been I way know. worse than that. But like, what, what, what do you think that you're gonna do here? That your body is just gonna stay, stay so straight that you're gonna be able to lift all that shit, dude? You deserve <laughs> how skinny the happen. motherfucker is too. Yeah. yeah, he's not very big, dude. So, uh, to that mm. idiot, um, I up, son. All right. Um, mine's not a bad one, honestly. It's I, I like I just want to ice up the world because I don't know if you guys saw the arrival of uh, Aaron Rodgers to his training oh, camp. God. Today. Uh, yeah. Ice up that. I'm it's just like the best thing ever. No, I'm saying yeah, I'm icing up the world because we're all like literally just hot at this point in time from that. 
like the temperature in the entire country. Like I better, you might want to just make sure your mom has not left her dad by the time that he gets home and he sees that uh, she's been watching NFL network and watching his arrival, dude. Like if you haven't seen it, I don't have it. You know, I haven't sent it to the boys. I'm sure you guys can do it. You know, I'm sure everybody can Google it. Um, and so in good. the Green Bay Packers played into this so well, but there was a slow motion video of Aaron Rodgers arriving to camp in a wife beater with his uh, Con Air haircut with the beard, and he looks identical to Nicolas Cage, and it's unbelievable. And you mean quite Cameron honestly. Po. Uh, yeah, Cameron Poe, my apologies. <laughs> Everybody's saying, like, I swear to God, if he doesn't at least at some point during training camp say, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, um, and he walks up. Like, he knows. Like, look at this. He knows. He's he's just like, I mean, I'm I, honestly, I'm kind of hot for him at this point. Like, I think, honestly, uh, he just drops his bag. Like, the what's bag, cooler than the that? The bag drop. I want to know that. He's like, hey, assholes. Somebody carry that for me, yeah. Um, you know, Nick K is the overacting Olympian of the like, you know, he overacts everything. I like yeah. Nick Cage and I love Con Air. And it's like it's kind a of movie. a do you remember the accent he had in that where he he had the southern accent? Mm-hmm. He was a southern ranger, army ranger. Oh, that shit was awesome. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, to people who aren't in love with Cameron Poe, I, I <laughs> no, just everybody who's, who's right. just, whose temperature rose about ten degrees after watching this. I, I know mine did. It was just yeah. sexy. <laughs> All right, Greg. Uh, okay, mine's just simple. It's a funny story I heard the other day. Um, I don't have any visuals for it. So, uh, y'all, everybody, a pet owner, like if, or anybody who's a pet owner, you feel like you could recognize your pets. You know, when you pick them up, drop them off at the vet or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes pets get mixed up, and I realize that the this is a story of pets getting mixed up, like two German Shepherds, which I can admit I've had German Shepherds before, but German Shepherds do, of all dogs, look a lot alike sometimes. This lady had the dog for four months. And it wasn't her dog. <laughs> before they realized it wasn't her dog, okay? Oh. And it's funny because like I'm reading through this article, and I've heard this a few times on different radio shows and everything, and everybody talks about this lady, this lady, this lady. But I'm not going to ice her up. I'm going to ice up the other person who had the dogs because guess what? They didn't realize it for four months either. But nobody's talking about them in all these articles. Mm. They were both stupid. I don't want to say stupid. They both made a dumb mistake. I just feel like it's easy to recognize your dog. After a few days, I feel like you would know your dog's not there. Like, different Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It just it just seems like the dog would give off trait. signs to know. Yeah, dogs have enough personality. You would know. Yeah. Um, but I'm icing up the other person that none of these articles are icing up. I'm icing up them for not noticing as well because it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> like yeah. how how dumb do you have to be to not recognize your your animal for that long? Come on, yeah. dude. One more that's quick one here is that uh, Antonio Brown's dance. Yeah, let's do it. Um. Oh, why is it gonna? Why is it gonna keep doing that? Look at this dance from Antonio Brown. Streamyard's weird now. Whenever you try and like enlarge stuff, I find what he does. He wait. He does this windshield wiper dance like this. It's so bad. I hope he can get paid for it because 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> go look. Go look at the concert that Antonio Brown put on. That one's a big one. That one is wow. All right, that's the C three Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles dot com. Where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. You can call into the show at two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. We'll be here tomorrow night with a beat check. Uh, we're still nailing down the time, trying to nail down a guest. Hopefully. Um, you know, it's tough to get the beat writers on the first day of camp. They're ch- 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 but guess yep. who will be here anyway? We will monitoring your all boys. the stories. So it'll be around 8 or 8.30 tomorrow night. We'll get something out to you guys and talk about the first day of camp. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Don't forget to message me if you want in on that fantasy football league. Go to carolinacatchronicles.com. Check out the latest stories. And if you really just want to support it, just like go there. Don't even read the story. Just click an ad. <laughs> and that'll like give me 50 cents so hey i mean if you don't want to donate to the show just click an ad that would be yeah. cool uh and uh that's about it check us out on tiktok uh all the other things cody lashley how can they get after you yeah find me at cody lax c-o-d-y-l-a-c um i'm still doing work at drafttech.com you can check that out and as always every friday at 7 p.m that's your opportunity to be a part of the C3 Friday free-for-all. You can come and be on the show, join via StreamYard. It's a good time, man. I try and make sure everybody gets their opinions heard and voiced. Um, it's a good time, man. You know, I've got my own little cult following of followers that, you know, are starting to believe some of the stuff that I'm putting down. So, yeah, man, join the Friday free-for-all every Friday at 7 p.m. And that's it, bro. CK? Uh, first, I want to uh, tell the chat to keep an eye out on our socials at Codizzle Allen at uh, cat, cro- cat underscore chronicles uh, because there is a potential we're going to be in Wofford on Saturday. I'm trying to convince the professor to get a babysitter. He's going to try to be securing one. Um, and that's going to be for their back together Saturday. So it should be a pretty big event um, if you guys are interested in uh, coming out and just seeing what's up. Um, other than that, uh, I'll be back here Tuesday, but you can find me on all the social medias at Code Dizzle Allen. Uh, that's uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, the uh, TikTokies, the the Instagrams, all those locations. So go uh, shoot your boy a follow, and if you uh, you know like what you see, share everything you see. And the Bat Daddy. You can find me at the Bat Daddy Fifty Two on Twitter. Is my personal handle. Check out my other show. It is Geeks Chasing Squirrels Across the Multiverse. We're talking about uh, San Diego Comic Con this week, um, Galaxy Con in Raleigh this weekend, and possibly Stranger Things season one. It's going to be a fun show. We go live Fridays at nine PM Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. Audio drops Mondays or Tuesdays on any podcatcher of your choice. So, fantastic stuff, Cody. Take us out of here. Until next time. C3 Panther Nation, keep pounding. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.